you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. He brings a smile to your I lips. will... No, I, I'm looking at this article, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, <laughs> we're podcasting on Wednesday, October 8th. Any news that happens after probably 9.30 on October 8th, we are not responsible for, for this week. Anyway, or for the next two weeks. And... Anyway, we are weird the, lights in the sky. Weird, more than yeah, well, if there's weird <laughs> lights in the sky, no one's going to be listening later to us. Anyway, uh, we are uh, we, we are at the Brett Cave, and of course, uh, bringing me in my fabulous announcer, our man in Los Angeles. I'm Nate Costa, and across from me, sipping a cool lemonade, or at least that's what he claims it is. I'm lemonaded, Rick Brett Snyder. Okay, uh, we got some comics news, we got some movie news, some TV news. But first, I want to bring up, of course, up front, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please rate us, please subscribe, and please tell your friends. You can listen to us on the Stitcher app. You can also find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. Like us on Facebook. Maybe you did like us on Facebook, and you can follow us at, on Twitter at Fanboy Planet because sometimes we just tweet out interesting things, especially like the release time of the podcast. But also uh, when things are too busy, at least to put out things like, ooh, Twin Peaks, which we'll talk about a little later. Ooh, Twin Peaks. We tweeted that out. We tweeted out a couple of things this week, but we're not necessarily on the website. So you can find us there. You can also purchase, if you cannot find the things we talk about at your local business, you can purchase it on Amazon through the Amazon link we provide helpfully on the website and you can donate if you find this so scintillating that you say dang it I oh. want to spend a buck donate to uh, to the PayPal button that is helpfully there on every page at Fanboy Planet so let's talk some comics I'm sorry I, I just had up this this article you're talking I almost want to talk for it because what a great week for comics on television but we're going to talk comics because one of the promises we made last week we did promises we keep was that we would pay attention we would none of us had actually read the first issue of Thur, uh, which is <laughs> How Thor, do you spell that? T-H-E-R, okay. Thur, 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 Myth Thur, Thur, yes, uh, and uh, Thor the female Thor, the first issue of the female Thor, uh, which I, I'm going to give a couple of things, that, uh, or at least one thing up front, which is I, I, when they showed her in the splash page in the armor, I was like, at least it didn't feel like it was one of those, it was a ridiculous costume. Like, it made sense hiding her identity. Yeah. Uh, if if we're right about who she is, wink. and we are, wink, uh, that uh, that, it, that it's not the most, uh, what, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Uh, Battle-hardened? No, 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 that, it, that, that it's not uh, exploitative. As a costume, as a female, it's right. not like super sexy. It's like, it's just, it's it's logical armor. It's not like a bare midriff and she's well, It's kind of funny though because Thor, didn't he, did he go through um, He earlier? was bare armed. He was bare armed. He bare armed and bare legged? 
No, he was not bare. Not bare legged. No, he no, did no. have pants. He always on. had pants. But of late, well, I mean, he's, not always. But he's had know. he had more armor like stu- uh, stuff right, since it, maybe Simonson. Um, I think Simonson's the first one who threw the armor in, and, yeah. then, and then it made sense. And the vision we've had, uh, you know, Ultimate Thor, and then the film version because for a while. But you notice that he was actually bare armed through most of the Dark World. So they yeah. went back to it, but he yeah. had been armored up in the first. Well, film. the uh, the chain link armor was from uh, what's his name, J- Joe Straczynski's run. J- uh, J- okay. Joe Well, no, yeah, he is Joe. He's because Joe's comics, right? J. Michael Straczynski. Joseph. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, but no, the uh, it had been there in. in uh, I think Simonson used it uh, before you were born. Uh, so I'm kidding, uh, but I think it had been there in that classic Simonson run every now and then because he'd really changed the look, not just making him a frog. Uh, but we have uh, this this reason, you know, that uh, Thor has become unworthy. Um, Odin is just a dork, uh, and uh, and then gee, who could the one blonde woman? Who keeps talking about uh, there? There must always said be, there a must be a Thor. There must be a Thor, um, and who is clearly worthy because she's made herself worthy, and all the other Asgardians are completely unworthy. I do like that Mjolnir has a mind of its own and can declare. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I I didn't think that was particularly. Explosive. We're looking at the the last page, full page spread when of, she when uh, of her lifting the when uh, Thor's. Oh, let's just say it. Can we say spoiler? Have you, well, that's no. It's not a spoiler because we really don't know. We really don't know, but we know. But it seems obvious. Wink. It's free. Uh, it, it's it's uh, Frigga or Freya. Uh, Freya. Uh, anyway, F- is that one of Thor's moms? Yeah, that is Thor's. That mom. is Thor's mom, the one who died in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, for the same reason that it seems so obvious, I'm thinking it might be a red herring. Oh, really? That's what they said with like General Thunderbolt Ross as the Red Hulk. Yeah. Well, except in that case, they showed General Thunderbolt Ross standing next to the right. Red Hulk. Right, right. That in was advertisement. A that was a lie. No, no, I think... No, in the book, in, in the and book, then later on... their mind, because Jeff Loeb's a, a horrible plotter. Later uh, on, you find out he was speaking with the voice of MODOK. Or the leader, or somebody. It, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's it, right, because it, it was all the, all the weird... It hurts you. But you know what? I, I think I would like... I don't want the identity of of thur to be uh a mystery well if we're right and we should be tell the story not don't tell the story about who is who is she? she's been a great character when she's been in right. stories before she was a terrific character in the thor movie and she's been a terrific character in loki agent of asgard yes true and true, so true. And, and so i'm saying it's like let us not Make it a mystery. Let us make this just the most obvious next evolution and the time she spends defending Midgard, as right. as Thor would insist, and and let it be. Just uh, rather than draw it out for a year and a half as to who's under that helmet, let's just see who it is and go. And I mean, the, the other nice thing is that it's a terrific cosplay opportunity for so many young women out there to. Uh, Rick, I'm going to say nobody cares about that because we were just at convolution and there was a female Thor and a female Loki. So sure. So, but they've been they've been. We don't need. I mean, okay, it's another another it's a, version. It's of the another costume. version of costume to I, to just, follow up. On. I'm just saying that I I'm most appreciative of those who say screw it, I don't care. I've got the long blonde locks. I'm sure. going to be Thor anyway. Uh, so are you? Those are your most appreciative. 
I'm just saying. I, they, well, they were a little loud at the bar. Uh, but they were. I thought <laughs> they were, were going to tip obnoxious. over that table. Uh, that well, was, which that was, was only for, appropriate for, for Thor. For, that was that was Thor and Loki and Black Widow. The Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, who oddly enough, I didn't see at the masquerade later. They were none of them were at masquerade. They just. They weren't at the convention at all, were no, they? They, weren't. they were just three drunks dressed as superheroines. Anyway. Um, or they were su- three superheroines dressed as drunks. <laughs> no, I think they were pretty much drunk. Um, so, uh, in a sports bar, three superheroines walk into a sports bar, and they read the issue of Thor, number one, and then what we really haven't addressed is, was it actually well done? And I, I'm going to say, although I still don't quite get what could have been whispered to Thor. Right. Or it would have, although it would have been, fu- it would have been much funnier if Nick Fury had whispered to Mjolnir. <laughs> <laughs> Thor is a <laughs> is a pansy, uh, you know something, uh, right? You know, Thor has has a library book that's overdue by two thousand years. Uh, I, I my favorite thing about the issue was the sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads, yeah, or whatever those things were. <laughs> that's that's our. We've got an undersea base. That's our first line of defense. Me- shark mechanized shark sharks. warriors. It was aim. I can't. I can't remember. I know. I, I read it and enjo- and thought it was fun. And you see Thor. Oh, but yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And we have oh. Malekith rips Thor's arm off. Well, it's funny because it hasn't been that long since Malekith was in Thor: God of Thunder. To bring him back for this was just kind of like I'd forgotten how much I liked that character. And and how much better Malekith is, is as a comic book character than he was allowed to be in the film. Yes. But then, oh, so much better. But it also makes sense why they would bring Malekith in is because if somebody is picking up Thor for the first time, this is, again, the Marvel way. Let's put it put in a character that is the most recent that people, uh, that the mainstream is aware of. And so you put in Malekith. Oh, yeah, he was the villain in Dark World, and everybody enjoyed Dark World. So it, it, it just makes sense. And I, I Well, the, the, the problem with, with uh, Malekith. Say, like, if in, Rosie O'Donnell picked this up because it was announced on her show, you know, uh, yeah. that, or, or Whoopi Goldberg did, then, you know, oh, we saw Malekith. We saw the Dark World. So The problem with this version of Malekith is it's too low. Loki-like. He's 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 doing wordplay and he's so yeah, cavalier yeah. about things. And you needed the Malekith Loki counterpoint in the movie to make those scenes work. Well, perhaps except I don't think I don't think Christopher Eccleston was allowed to do anything as Malekith. <laughs> I don't think. Did he have any lines? I guess. He had a few. A lot were edited out. Yeah. And you know why they were edited out? Because Tom Hiddleston wanted more lines. <laughs> and so, oddly enough, Christopher Eccleston and Tom Hiddleston actually played out the Malekith Loki <laughs> dynamic, <laughs> and Loki won. So, um, let's go to com- uh, the comics. It's been a good week for. Uh, those of us who are fans of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and most specifically, another podcast, uh, which not is, a competitor. Uh, no, no, I didn't say they were, but we've talked about them before because one, there was a fantastic graphic novel uh, that was sort of an anthology of the best of what of what they are, which is is an anthology radio uh, in the spirit of uh, a, a, a new timey podcast in the spirit of old timey radio, and uh, written by Acker and Blacker, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who had recently. Uh, taken over Thunderbolts, and they'd written a Deadpool annual, and uh, of course they they wrote the graphic novel and they were writing Adventure Hour from Arkea, and they were writers on Supernatural. Right. Um, probably most steadily is that like the, there's a certain fan base from that. Um, 
and obviously very longtime comics fans because actually last year at WonderCon, uh, I think it was Acker interviewed, uh, was the host of the um, the woman who writes Captain Marvel. Um, I'm sorry for this. Kelly Sue, Kelly Sue, Kelly Sue DeConnick. He hosted the panel, the spotlight on Kelly Sue DeConnick. So he's very much a a big. Uh, and we may notice Captain Marvel that, has that cover makes me smile. Has Rocket <laughs> Raccoon on the uh, back of of, of Ca- Carol Danvers. But anyway, but it's um, raining cats. But it, it's awesome. And it reminds me of more of one more piece of news to to announce this week. But anyway, it's been a great week for Acker and Blacker in terms of. Uh, of things they've probably been working on for a long time but finally get announced. It's the question they get in all their Q&A sessions. First Monday was that Image Comics is going to continue uh, the the, the two, I'd probably, most popular segments of of Thrilling Adventure Hour, uh, which is, of course... Beyond Belief. Beyond, I, but I was going to go the other way with Sparks Nevada, yes. Marshall on Mars, and Beyond Belief. Both of which are uh, properties that they have tried to, uh, that they have shopped around and had a lot mm-hmm. of heat on other, uh, in other media before. Um, uh, Mar- uh, Sparks Nevada was considered for a time for, as an animated pilot for Comedy Central. It was originally a script for... Uh, uh, it was a full-length film, film. Uh, but they had also tried to shop it as a as a short. They were going to make it on Adult Swim, Comedy Central. There was all kinds of talk. And ultimately they passed. I, I suspect because probably it's they would It's Cowboys made... in Outer Space. That's what I suspected, yes. Thank you for finishing my thought and a complete uh, sort of off to the left. You're like Libby the Kid, which is like Billy the Kid spelled sideways. Sort of. So, because uh, there's no other shows about cowboys in outer space. Well, that's what they told Nathan Fillion when he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, well, I got this." Uh, so, um, and uh, so that had been uh, considered as a pilot in a couple of places, and Beyond Belief had also been. Uh, there's a sitcom script floating around, which I'd love to oh, see. Man. I know they've done stage it's like readings Topper of it, for the 21st but century, but they haven't done. Yeah, it's better to say. No, by the way, thank you for making a reference that no one under the age of 60 gets. You Uh, got it. Well, because I watched Channel 44's Golden Age of Television series. There you go. And Cary Grant's movie in 1938. Uh, Okay. um, The Thin Man. The Thin Man. It's Nick and Nora Nora Charles as supernatural detectives. And uh, I know they've done stage readings of the script. I don't think they put it on the podcast because it's a very different setup, obviously. And uh, because it's meant to be an ongoing sitcom instead of the random, which is one of the few uh, creations that they've allowed other people to write. Yes. Glenn David Gold, Len Wein has written an episode. Yeah. Uh, I can't, somebody else just recently, uh, I was listening to one that was written, guest written. Did Scott Snyder write a Philip Fathom? Or I, I don't. I don't. There think was there a was Batman a, writer. They were saying they were going to try and get to write a Philip but Fathom. But I don't think he has yet. Because okay. Philip Fathom's only had one or two solo uh, adventures normally yeah. he comes in at the end of a captain laser beam so um anyway yes if you haven't been listening to the thrilling adventure hour you should highly uh, recommended it's part of that uh that uh, huge uh, empire of uh, uh of podcasts the nerdist um which we'd kill to create that that empire but we can't stop bickering at this table so we'll never get it together to be a to <laughs> this be is an not empire. bickering this is witty banter uh, I'm going to bring your wife in. We'll get bickering going. <laughs> so don't you worry. Sure. <laughs> I'm not bickering. You're bickering. Uh, you're right. What? I'm not bickering. Uh, and for those over 70 listening to this podcast, uh, there, was a, there was actually a sitcom called The Bickersons. It was a radio show. Anyway, we're tying it back together. But the other thing is uh, that they are also getting to write Flash Gordon in yet another 
uh, a Dynamite revival. This is like the fourth in yeah. two years a revival that Dynamite has done. And they bring in interesting um, writers to Jeff Parker, who's doing a fantastic job on the regular Batman 66 book, wrote uh, King's Crossing and a Flash Gordon book. And then Alex Ross had combined with somebody else to write... Uh, uh, Zeitgeist, Flash Gordon Zeitgeist, which was sort of like the if you took the best of the Alex Raymond comic strip and the movie, the Dino De Laurentiis movie, and combined them into something. Yes, out yes. of you know, it was interesting. It was good. It was an interesting take. And by all means, far far. If your only experience of Flash Gordon was the sci-fi television series. I was doing that just to see if if Rick's Rick's hair actually turned grayer my back before my eyes. All of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, he's like a cat." There are sprout wings. Those are hackles. Um, like, oh. you, you know who didn't sprout wings? The <laughs> Hawkmen. So um, anyway, what's that leather coat you're wearing? Rick? Did you see the Darwin Cook covers for Prince Valiant and Flash Gordon? I didn't really get a chance to look. They at are the, really good. Uh, yeah. So um, are, I they're not at writing the, the whole the, thing, the, are they? The, or are they just writing Flash Gordon? Because they, I think out, they're just writing Flash Gordon. They tweeted out they're writing Flash Gordon, but there is a full crossover because this is the first one. Like each crossover adds another character. Well, there's there's so this time five miniseries. Ah, there's uh, Prince Valiant, Flash Gordon. Phantom, Mandrake, and uh, Jungle Jim. Is that right? Is Jungle Jim in there? Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then when when those finish, they'll have a crossover. Okay. So, so. not like King's Crossing, which I never actually finished. I'll have to buy the, and yeah. another one of those. It's disappeared in the back. I'll get the trade paper back when Dynamite releases it. So that's been a great, uh, that, it's a great week for them, and we love. Um, one other piece of comics news, and just because we have, we have this big interview uh, that's going to be a, a huge chunk. So um, we may even go down to just two for what's in the bag. Because uh, I don't know if anybody's had a chance to read. I haven't. But uh, is that this cover of Captain Marvel reminds me that it was also announced that Marvel is going to give a solo series, ongoing series, to Squirrel Girl. Yay! Yes, and it's, uh, and it's going to be very, uh, just like as we were talking last week about lum- Lumberjanes, uh, it's going to be very um, webcomic-y, and the art style is v- is very webcomic-y. And it's like, what happens to Squirrel Girl go- when Squirrel go- Girl goes? It's hard to say. It's like saying the rural juror. Mm-hmm. Um, when Squirrel Girl goes to college and has to deal with, like, roommates and... and monkey- Dating. And I uh, know... Squirrel Girl has a boyfriend. It's uh, the undead Robbie Baldwin. But it could change. It that could. thing happens in college. I know. I know. Yeah. It's a shame. Anyway, I know I like the thought that she... Because for a while, she had to go back in time to date Robbie because she didn't like penance. She liked the... <laughs> <laughs> she liked the fun speedball. So, but she's Squirrel Girl. She can do anything. So we're very excited. That's very exciting to hear that that will be. Um, so anyway, uh, we did uh, before uh, we we recorded before we brought Nate in tonight. Uh, one thing happened in lo- it's not just local comics news, but it, it's big. Is that uh, last weekend was the Alternative Press Expo? Was your brother Ben there at the at Ape? He was. He was. Okay. So And actually Yeah, Dick, take this moment to take a plug. <laughs> professional comic book professional Benton Jew, uh, who is an inker. Yes, he's an artist in uh Bella Lugosi's Tales from the Grave. And yes, and he also did that. Uh I mentioned he, as a book that I wrote a story in. Yes, go You ahead. guys know Harvey Chin? 
I know the name, but no. He's like a friend of friend of the program, Jason Salazar, and friend of the program, Mike Flores. I think he's one of Lon's friends, too. Okay. So anyway, Harvey posted something about, hey, I'm going to Ape. And I said, hey, you should check out my brother, Ben Costa's booth. And I just tagged Ben on the thing. Benton Jew posts immediately after me, you should totally check out Ben's book, Pong, blah, 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 blah. Writes all this super nice stuff about Pong. And I'm like, oh, my God, a professional comic book person knows who my brother is outside of uh james robinson as we know my yes. brother torments him yes uh and then posts again dude seriously check this out nice it was awesome yeah and so and uh, then ben said if you must and yeah. and then harvey no. went and got a shirt ben looked up uh so uh and he's got his his new web comic right so and the new web comic rickety stitch and the gelatinous goo a humorous tale about uh a, skele- a skeletal An bard skeleton bard and his gooey sidekick there we go so they were all at ape and uh then it was announced this week at the this was the 20th anniversary of ape and uh, that they were returning the reins of, uh, of of the convention to the man who started it all, local friend of the pro- uh, program, Dan Votto, of uh, sl- what used to be Slave Labor Graphics, is now SLG, and uh, who owns the SLG Art Boutique and Gallery. Fantastic place to hang out and hear jazz uh, and folk music and, and singer-songwriters and uh, occasionally comedy sports does uh, workshops out of there. So, um, plus... What a cool comic book shop! So we uh, we we talked to Dan about this. So let's uh, let's dial in. Cut the that in right now, and we're back. So now I have to actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> this is we're what, not going to play it for you. This is what happens. This is going to happen to next week's one because it's going to be uh, Rick's going to be out at uh, presenting it presentation. I'm con at or, presentation summit for five days, and then I'm going to dot con for isn't three. Isn't it called Presentasia? Presentation Summit. No, Presentasia. I just want to go. Yeah, come on, like Fantasia. Come on. <laughs> no, no. Uh, presentation Summit. Summit. Like, Summit's interesting. Summit's not. This no. <laughs> so, uh, uh, is what I've been talking about at work all day. <laughs> like, how do we make these presentations interesting? I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they pay for me to go to this and say and come back. There you go. But anyway. Um, Yes, go to San Diego listen. when there's no Comic Con there. So, Actually, you can get around and stuff. So ne- what? So next week, uh, he he's got an uh, Rick has a panel from Co- uh, Convolution that he did an interview uh, with a uh, Kevin Grazier. Totally got you right. Anyway, it's uh, he is the science advisor on a number of shows, including he was on Battlestar Galactica, and currently he's uh, the science advisor on Defiance, but he's also done a number of other shows. Real interesting guy, and we had a great conversation. And he's a cyborg. So uh, anyway, next week he then, actually is Willard in real life. He collects rats. He does. He's a uh, dog person. He's a he's a he's no. A, that's Wilfred. Wilfred. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No. Uh, Omni Coke. Anyway, uh, so next week that'll be uh, Rick will just uh, put that up uh, before he goes to presentation summit. So, um, which means we have Wednesday, which is good because I think I got an invitation to go see Disney on Ice. Oh, uh, I don't think I'm going to do it, but because uh, I might just go to a movie. Uh, but hey, the rare chance to go actually see an ice show, uh, then I have to review it. So um, we'll come back. 
We are here tonight talking to Dan Votto, who is, of course, a longtime friend of Fanboy Planet and uh, has been occasionally a host of the podcast. Soul brother. Soul brother. brother Not even just a fan, not even just a friend, a soul brother um, who runs the, of course, SLG Art Boutique and Gallery in San Jose. And uh, just recently, why we uh, we asked Dan to come on tonight was uh, handed. Now I think let me help me if I've got this right. Um, knowing local comics history, you were handed back the keys to Ape. Did you not? Yes. Fu- you founded the Alternative Press Expo. I, I did. Yes, actually, this year was its twentieth anniversary. The first one was in June of '94, and uh, I had done that on my own. Uh, it's my idea. And um, after you know a year or so of trying to do this on my own, the Comic Con people stepped in and asked. First, they just were offering assistance. They said, "Well, what can we do to help keep this going? Because it looks like you're, you're kind of ready to, you, you know, kind of at your wits end there." And, and uh, basically, that's, uh, I just said, "Well, just here, have it, <laughs> do it, keep it alive." You know, and they did for 20 years and uh, for, um, you know, whatever their internal reasons were, they offered it. Well, they offered it first back last year after last year's event. And I said no, and then a few months ago they offered it again. And this time after a little bit of thought, I decided, well, maybe I do have a little unfinished business with this thing. And and, I decided I would indeed take it back. Okay, well, let's give a little depth into what the Alternative Press Expo is, which is held last weekend. Um, I, I unfortunately was unable to, to go up to it, but it's an event that's held uh, annually in San Francisco. And as you said, it started out in June, and then in recent years has moved to being in, uh, I guess, pretty much this, the first weekend of October has been consistent for a few years at least. For the last several years, yeah. It actually uh, it started in San Jose, uh, and for the first five years, it was uh, it was in existence, uh, including after Comic Con took over. It was it stayed in San Jose, and then they moved it to San Francisco um, because they felt like San Francisco would be a better place for it. And uh, when they first moved it, it was to the Fort Mason Center, which proved to be you know had to leave a lot to be desired as a venue. Mm-hmm. And then then it moved over to the Concourse Pavilion, where it stayed for a good number of years, I think almost ten. Um, and now the the Concourse, of course, uh, if they didn't know, it was being torn down. It's going to be torn down and replaced by condos, which or some sort of mixed use building of 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 a fashion. Um, and uh, so they they moved it back to to Fort Mason um, this for this year. But no. it, That's last, too bad. that was a great. I know venue I liked the last... concourse when I thought that was the a really con- neat the place. The concourse was a, was a wonderful venue. I, I think it was the perfect venue for eight. Um, and uh, Fort Mason is a beautiful spot, but I think it leaves a little bit from a logistical standpoint, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, mm. So. So but yeah, the, the first weekend of October I think has been the last several years. But Ape has moved all around quite a bit. Uh, first one was in June, the second one was in May. Um, the uh, it went on the like stayed like in that April May spring phase until it moved to Fort Mason. I think it was in February. Uh, what I remember about that was that it was pouring rain, uh, and so it was 
it had a few winter months uh, where it was going on, and then it settled into that first weekend in October. Which, um, as we know, is now deep summer. So, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as I'm driving, break uh, out your sunscreen. As I'm driving over to the Brett Cave at 6:30, and my car says it's 79 degrees still. I'm like, okay, um, happy uh, Halloween. <laughs> well, that's good. It'll be a lot. It, well, now, now those people that are trick or treating in those like sexy witch costumes and sexy yeah. black hat, they won't be cold. I won't be no. worried about them. Uh, so that's good. You know, cover up. Uh, they don't need to. So. Um, who qualifies to get into the alternative press expo? That's is there a certain size at which at which some you say no? Say, sorry, you're no too, longer too popular. You're, you know, they've had like maybe maybe uh, you know a, a pilot uh, bought by Fox or something. Is, you know what 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 causes? Uh, no, what's the I size? I I mean I can't I can't speak for, to the way that you know the Comic Con. Uh, you know, either admitted or didn't admit or went after or didn't go after exhibitors. Um, when I ran it, even after they they uh, they took over the event after the second year, uh, I continued to run it. And I, I mean, I had a different attitude, I think, maybe than, than some people did, which was, to me, it was about the work and not about the publisher so much. Um, so, I mean, you know, back then, uh, and, and still, really, uh, you know, Dark Horse and and you know now you could say uh, IDW and 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 Boom or whatever are are publishing works that you know maybe aren't quite what you would consider to be mainstream or or you know have sort of a of a of a you know, more creative more personal feel to them. So I don't I never felt that that, that people should be excluded based on their size. Uh, I, I think it, it had to be about the work. Um, but that's not to say that, that the thing was like a completely juried event or anything like that, or that we were, right, um, right. you know, there are, there are some people that are, there's some of these, uh, shows are curating their, their, their shows to a certain degree and, and making like a standard and, and maybe just because for lack of space, you kind of have to do that. But I think it's, it's, it's about the work. You know, I, I wouldn't exclude someone just because they were being published by, you know, Random House, uh, for instance, and, yeah. and um, you know, they, they just look at uh, even just this past ape where uh, um, one of their guests was uh, Faith Aaron Hicks, and she's being published by First Second, but they're owned by Macmillan, which is one of the biggest companies in, uh, publishing companies in the country. Ah, I did not so know Macmillan, as I that, have, a, I have a First Second book on my stack this week. So yeah, so there's there's what is to say. You know, what are you going to let in? What are you not going to let in? I think, you know, mainly it's like what you don't want uh, is just a lot of noise and a lot of, of nonsense, you know. Uh, and maybe nonsense is only defined by you know, the person who sees it and says this is nonsense. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that, 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 you know, a hard and fast thing really ought to be there to say, well, this can't be included or this creator can't be included because he has a book deal. Well, I think your you criteria, know? however you've been applying it, has been working year after year because you have consistently um, new, fresh new artists and producers that I've never seen before, and it's an opportunity to see those. In, in, in and I just, I've it always, seems like it's the only place to do it. I've always thought it's an easier. Uh, you go to Comic Con or you go to Wonder. They're just drowned out, and they do. They're there. Some of them are, right. but they get drowned out, and it, which brings. Uh, to my next question with it is, 
Uh, one thing with the Alternative Press Expo, because press is right there in the in the name, um, is in a year when there in a month where there's been a lot of controversy. It's been all year long, but it's it just boiled up with Denise Dorman's comment about uh, convention, what used to be the Comic Con becoming all about the cosplay, all about the studio coming in, the games and everything, and 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 it's not about the artists and the work. This is a show still dedicated to the artists and the work and yeah absolutely and invariably you go to any of those booths you're talking to the artist you're talking to the author the the artist inker whatever the small production crew that is putting one of these books together yeah yeah i uh i um yeah i mean i i you're actually talking to Maybe one of the few people who do what I do in terms of publishing that that you know doesn't mind cosplay. I, I get its appeal. Uh, and, <laughs> I don't mind and cosplay, I but I, I yes. Yeah. What are you dressing for up as uh, for Halloween, Dan? Me, nothing. I, I yeah, I'm just too fat. Just to no pants again. That, that, uh, uh, would, that that I would even put a costume on for. But I mean, yeah, it's not something I do personally, but it's just. You know, I, I I can see. I'm all about people should enjoy themselves and and have fun when they're going and and doing stuff. And you know, the big conventions they have their their place. You know, they the people that go to them that spend money to go to them and and either dress up or or go running from booth to booth to get you know whatever exclusive might be to them. That's it's fun. And and you know, you can't say like, okay, well this thing now sucks because I don't have any fun at it or I don't make any money at it. I mean, just if you're not making any money at it, you know, don't go, you yeah. know, I, I mean, do you that's, still find, that's the kind of, do you still find fun? Uh, cause I, I see you at Comic-Con last, last few years, uh, and at, at big wow being a different size. And, and I think I even saw you at one at WonderCon this year. Um, you know, do you find even what makes you, it fun for you? That's a good. That's the way to phrase that question. <laughs> what well, makes Comic Con fun for me? No, I, no, I actually. Or, or, sure, sure, sure. Well, I, uh, or the, the bigger one, Ape. I, I can understand absolutely. It's your baby. Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't think I can define. This is what I do for a living, right? So, I mean, uh, going to something like Comic Con or, or or WonderCon or, or Big Wow, even uh, it's more sort of like that's part of the job, you know, and I, I don't really have a choice in it. Uh, I, I wish they could all be like Ape, but I mean, there are a lot of shows that are like Ape, um, and all over the country, and I could spend my time going to them, but I, you know, from an exhibitor standpoint, uh, it would be very difficult to, to make, to justify those trips because it's hard to make money. Um, you know, I, I very rarely make money. We stopped going to, uh, <clears throat> SPX and to MoCA on the East Coast just because the cost was just, mm-hmm prohibitive for me to, to do that you know to, to pick up all my stuff here in California and ship it across the country and then if you have a bad show then you have to ship it back and the last time we went to SPX we you know we left our boxes to be picked up by UPS in the hotel and they never came uh, and nobody ever could nobody could find what happened to them we got boxes that belonged to somebody else and um you know, Are they so, better boxes? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, from from the aspect of, you know, you're talking about me personally, uh, I don't necessarily have fun going to conventions. I think that, that they're just part of my job. 
and uh, I do them as I see that either they're going to benefit my company, a publishing mm-hmm. company, in the long term in some way, or or we're going to actually make a profit on the trip. Sure. And it is harder and harder to make money at the bigger shows uh, because the cost of going up, uh, going to these things is, is, is going up and up and all the time. And, you know, once I said to a creator who was sitting in our booth and, and maybe not taking their role as a salesman of their product, you know, of their book, very seriously, and I, you know, once I says, hey, uh, so how much do you suppose that share you're sitting in costs? And he's like, well, 50, 60 bucks. I go, try $1,000. That's a $1,000 chair. When you factor in the cost of that booth to this space right here that you're sitting in over the course of four days, that cost me $1,000. You know, so, so try and smile so when somebody <laughs> walks up here and looks at your book, you know, or at least engage them in some sort of conversation because these things do not sell themselves because there's a lot of stuff here that people can spend their money on and can go look at. And if you're staring at your shoes, people will walk right on by you. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and but it is tough. It's tougher now because the, the louder, and really it's the reason that I started Apebu. When uh, 20-some years ago, uh, the first time DC rolled out uh, a booth that included multimedia, and I mean, a giant, talking about a huge multimedia display, relatively speaking, now their display is even bigger. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was I remember those tiny of. screens. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you go like, oh, okay, wow, that's a nine grid, that's a big ass screen that they're showing, uh, you know, they're showing Batman trailers on, and it changed the game. You know, like up to that point, if somebody had a TV in their booth, it was kind of that was kind of high tech. Yeah. And DC came in and just like, boom, look at this. There's a lot of sound. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of light. And uh, I remember uh, one year when they expanded their booth even more uh, that the the heat in the in the uh, exhibit hall right next to their booth, and we've been at Comic-Con is what I'm talking about now in yeah. San Diego. We've been their neighbor for 25 years or as long as I've been going, or as a publisher at least. Uh, we've been right next to DC Comics, and the temperature of the room was decidedly higher next to DC booth, DC's booth one year because they had so many lights on. And it was before they brought in the extra air conditioning and stuff like that. It took everybody by surprise. It was like, oh, yeah, we'll do all these this stuff. And, yeah, it's all this electronics, all these lights, they generate heat, and the heat has to go somewhere. And, and that's where it was. It was, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. you know? but, 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 I mean, and I don't mean that as a criticism of DC or a criticism of Comic-Con. No, that was it's learning. That for what I do, it was a literal, it was a literal moment where you could just kind of see it. This is the future. That is the big company. I am the small company. There is very, very little way for anyone to get seen uh, in 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 this environment, you know. And there needs to be an environment that is just about us. And it was sort of like, okay, we need it. Let's put on a show in the backyard, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's just do this thing. Let's have one that's about us, and and we're going to show that, you know, we can be. Uh, self-sustaining as as a part of the of the industry, and at the same time at that time last year, it was like small presses were, and I think in in some ways rightfully so, were kind of targets for distributor scorn. Uh, this is before you know 
at one time really only the only thing you needed to do to get a a comic listed, say in in previews or, or in Bud Plants catalog. Keep in mind that back then there were like 17 distributors as opposed right. to the one that we have right now. But really, all you had to do to get listed in those catalogs was to just send them a, a, a thing. Here's a cover. Here's a description. Here's the price. Here's your discount, and they would list it. And you know, right after that kind of boom and and bust in '86, where people were, you know could sell 50,000 copies of anything with a funny name. Yeah. Um, there were there were some publishers who were just listing stuff for the purposes of listing it, and then if they got the orders in, then they would not just publish the books, but then actually do them. You know? So, there. but as a result, with any sort of backlash, there was kind of a backlash against all independent presses, and, you know, things that just seem like common sense right now, like, well, if you solicit a book for September, it needs to be out by the end of October. Uh, maybe the, 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 the backlash from the distributors towards all publishers were was a little stronger, and I felt like, well, we just need, let's do this thing and, and put it out there that we are here, and we're willing to take uh, our, to be accountable for our own selves, and to promote ourselves as a part of the industry that doesn't need that other stuff. You know, we can be our own thing. So, I mean, that kind of that volume level that exists now at Comic-Cons, not just San Diego, but almost every convention that you go to of any size, um, you know, is the reason that conventions like Ape exist. And now you have this whole phenomenon where there are, are conventions that use the word Comic-Con, but they're not, there are no comics at them, or there are very few comics at them. And there are more autograph shows, and, and that's kind of like where it sort of, I think, the frustration that people, like you were saying, Dave Dorman, come, comes into play. It's like, well, we can't go to the show and make any money anymore. It's because it's not being marketed to my, uh, to, to an audience that would even look at your stuff. Well, let's let's wrap up with um, with something positive about the work, which is you know that you are still a, a, an active publisher. And uh, what has been you know a high point, uh, a, a book. Because you have this bully pulpit right now, and I know you've had the GoFundMe campaign uh, to kind of help with the cost of, of the move, and, and uh, because it's been a few months, uh, well, more than a few now, um, when, you, when you had to change the location of your store. Um, but, you know, what's like the highlight of your publishing year? What, what book would you say, you know, people really ought to be checking out? And we covered no, Nova Phase, but, uh, yeah. Um. I'm sorry, you covered what? I Nova Phase? Nova Phase. That's actually, you know, that's, that's funny because that's when we were just talking about that uh, in the office today, and that's that's one of those things where we've kind of embraced the sort of micro-publishing um, mm -hmm. idea where we're just kind of like eking things out there either digitally or or uh, just with uh, low print runs to see how what kind of traction they can, um, they can achieve before we go wasting a, a ton of money on on putting them through the distribution system where we could potentially lose a ton of money and have in the past. And, you know, Nova Phase is just a book where it's just, it's really, it, it's actually kind of starting to a point where it kind of sells itself because Good. it looks, it looks different. It looks, uh, it looks funky because it's all, you know, sort of eight bit, uh, art video game styled art. And it was, you know, that that attracted me to it. And I guess it was that that pushed it away from 
from other publishers. I think it's it, that's kind of like a highlight for me. It was like, okay, well, people couldn't understand what this comic was going to look like, so nobody else published wanted to publish it. And now people have seen it, and it's like, you know, it could predictably be the the next thing that some other publisher comes in and just decides they're going to take from me. Um, so, but at least this point, I'm kind of, I don't have like a thousands and thousands of dollars invested in it. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, but I mean, we haven't, we didn't really publish much in the last year. It's been, it's been a very, it's, well, ever since the recession started, it's been very tough, but you know, we had a number of people kind of like bail on us and, 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 uh, and walk out over the last four five, six years. And I just didn't really feel like extending myself to the point where I was going to, you know, put that stuff out, or at least in a huge level. So, you know, doing the stuff real small has been, that's been kind of the highlight, seeing, seeing things maybe kind of work. And, and, you know, even though we're not achieving the sales that we need, um, at least it's, it's something where I, it's like, okay, well, I can validate my decision to get behind something and publish something by, you know, in a way that isn't going to bankrupt me. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of been that. Um, that that that's real. I know you you know you were looking like oh go check out this one book. I mean, you should go check them all out. I mean, uh, well, it's we true. Just, like we just did, we just did a, a collection of Joan Vasquez's Silver Bunny uh, comics. And in Silver that Bunny? collection, Is that what you said? pardon me. What uh, so filler bunny. filler bunny filler bunny? That's right. That's filler right. bunny, yeah. Which was uh, kind of a. It was filler you know, in uh, Squee, wasn't it? Yeah, it was basically filler and a little filler stuff, and he ended up kind of like evolving it out into three separate comics, where it was kind of an ongoing sort of joke that, that maybe only I understood or <laughs> went along with. But, but the first one looked like he drew it with his left foot, uh, or you know he did it in 24 hours or something like that. And he did it very quick, and, and stories about the little bunny, this filler bunny, and he dies in all of the stories, yeah. uh, you know, it's, and, and usually in, in gruesome and grotesque ways. And uh, but as each issue came out, and it came out over a period of a few years, we would just very quietly just make the production values just a little bit nicer every time. Uh, as just this horrible, these horrible stories about this flooding were coming out. Like the thing that maybe required the, the lowest production value you could maybe give something now would get like very nice paper, right. full color inside, like a color Slip section color on the interior. Version. So uh, we just did that book and, and he did a new 15 page story for that and I read it and it was like, wow, this is this is beyond just amusing. This is actually really good and deep. You know, and it's one of those things where, uh, where he as a writer I don't think has ever really reached his, his full potential and it's like, boy, I wish you would write more stuff like that. He's not writing anything so, right now, is he? Well, he's he's back to working in animation. Um, I mean, I, I don't really know what he's he's oh. doing. I know he's got a, he's got just recently uh, Disney announced that they were picking up a pilot that he was producing, oh, okay. um, but it's not quite the same thing as like Invader Zim was because someone else is doing the character design and the artwork and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's still sort of his his story and, and he's pushing uh, he's sort of the driving force behind that part of it but good for him and he has something else going but I, I don't really know I honestly don't talk to him that, that as much as as, uh, as, I, as I used to when we were doing a lot of comics 
Um, sure but I mean, I, I think that the guy really, really has some interesting on a personal level. Um, I think he's a really interesting guy. He has some tremendous insights into stuff, and I would love to see at a time when you know maybe uh, he could sit down and 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 get kind of like back to doing something that was really in, telling a story that was really inciting him. You know, and that's not like to say like. Everything has to be like this heart-wrenching autobio or what have you. But I think that, 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 you know, everybody's got like that story that sort of defines them. And, um, for Jonah, and I, I think that right now he gets kind of defined by, first by Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and then by Invader Zim. And I think that, that there's so much more to him, uh, as, as a writer, uh, that I, I hope that, that someday he does that one thing. And I don't know what that is, and I could be just talking out, you know, the back of my ass here or whatever. But I, I've had a pretty good track record of of finding people who, uh, who do some, you know, really really outstanding work. And and I, you know, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac is still at its core a comic book done by a nineteen year old kid. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. a young man when those, and and they still sell. And and it's amazing to me <clears throat> that I mean they don't sell it the way they used to. You know, nothing does, but people it's a are word of still mouth book. finding this, you it's, know, and, it's and, they're, and it's it. hitting the audience that it's supposed to. So, well, um, but I, I think he's got something else in him, and I don't I hope don't he brings know. it to you. That's Dan. exactly that's all what I was going to say. Is I want him to be the guy that comes back yeah, to you. You should just take it right back to you, and you can both <laughs> reap the profits and the literary praise. Yeah. Yeah, well, whichever. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for have, having known him. Uh, for uh, for all this time and and um, uh, you know it's just like I, I saw him at, at Comic Con, which was the last time I saw him, and and it was it was a lot like just seeing like an old friend. I've known him now for for twenty years. It's next year is the twentieth anniversary of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, and I've seen him kind of grow up. And so even though I don't I don't to... have that right, I feel very proud of him. Uh, I think he he really accomplished a lot, and I I uh, I'm. I sometimes wish that uh, I sometimes think that the way that he got his success kind of worked against him because he's not like one of your regular comic book guys or whatever. But for a while, for a good long time, uh, there were only three graphic novels that consistently, consistently made Diamond's uh, top 100 best-selling graphic novels every year. Three made the year like 10, 12 years in a row. Uh, one was Watchmen, the other one was Dark Knight, and then the other one was Johnny Homicidal Maniac. Hmm. Three. You think about that company for just a second. Three people, <laughs> uh, three people, three, three comics, three books. Two of them are considered, well, one of them is, is legendary. One of them's doing the best he can to, to be a parody of himself at this point, I guess. But, yeah. uh, but, um, you know, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty, um, yeah. pretty heady company when you think about it. You yeah. know, that's not like, oh, he was on the list every year because he did 10 different things that sold really well. That one book continued to sell really well that it's up there with 100 other books that sold better than all the other ones that came out that year. Well, I don't think there's you any know? chance of us running out of disenfranchised youth to pass that <laughs> yeah. along to each other. That's true. Every year somebody, yeah, I see a group. There's a new crop of them, yeah. So, but it's, it, yeah, it's, so, it's easy to kind of point to it and say that that's what the audience is for, but, it, but it's not. It, that's not, I don't really feel oh, I, that's I'm, I'm being, I, I, read my, I read it in my 30s, so. Yeah. 
So it wasn't uh, out and, when you know, were it's 19. Like, no. It's, <laughs> I would have read I, it when I, I was 19. I, it, yeah. So, um, but he's, he's something I'm, I'm continuously happy about. Uh, That's good. In terms of, uh, you know, he actually really, uh, you know, made something of, of that. So, yeah, you know that's that's something I feel proud about too. It's still there. We still keep it out there, and and um, you know hopefully we'll be doing something interesting for the 20th anniversary of that book, which really only occurred to me as we were being asked about taking Ape over, and I realized I, I thought back to the early Apes and was like, wow, well the first Johnny came out like right around the time when Ape came out. So we'll have the 21st so like, Ape and the 20th anniversary of, of Johnny, and we'll talk to you uh, about that. That'll be awesome when it when the time comes. So, absolutely, Dan. We have to we have to wrap this up tonight, but we I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, we're looking forward to going to Ape next year. Uh, are you bringing it back to San Jose, or are you going to leave it in San Francisco? Uh, I'm right now. San Jose has the inside track. Okay, so, excellent. Uh, excellent. <laughs> so I'll get my absolute yeah, edition we, leather we bound Johnny the Homicidal Maniac in wait, San Jose. Wait, wait, he's not, you know, oh. we'll, we'll let that be an announcement later. It's okay, not exclusive okay. now. All right, so thank you so much, Dan, and we'll be talking okay. to you soon. All right. Okay, All right. bye. So let's, that was great talking to Dan. Always an interesting conversation. And, you know, I, I he, he said that I really do hope that he gets that uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac Ultimate Edition. Um, and he sold me on that Filler Bunny thing. I think I'm going to have to Have you never heard that. Filler Bunny? I've never read it. I've seen it. I just, uh, but I, I it's it. It was almost like the Sergio Agronis. Uh, I, I totally got that concept. Yeah. And it's actually in the conversation. So um, we will, uh, I, I'll swing by the SLG. I need to go by there anyway. So I'm working right by there um and uh pick that up and uh and i and i gotta get the next couple of issues of nova phase too i think so anyway let's go to movies which has been um i don't know if 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 this is what we call as journalism a lot of rumors and a lot of, i let's say first off i mean because it's the first thing you have here listed but i think this is true is like robert downey jr is like the ultimate puppet master because he's just gone on every conversation he's publicly had in this last week. He said, it's on again, it's off again. It's, you know, I think it was Collider that said the, the question is, it, it began the first time I saw it. Well, a couple of weeks ago, and we even talked about it. Like it Vanity Fair, he said, like, you know, that ship has sailed. I'm, I mean, the reality is I'm like almost 50, or actually he is 50, you know, and, and so Iron Man 4 is not what they have in mind, blah, 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 blah. Very publicly, that got headlines too three weeks ago. And right, no more Iron Man. Well, that's not true. No that's, more. I read. That's but, what uh, they said. I know because he's gonna be in Age of Ultron, and he'll be in uh, right, right. But no more Iron Man uh, solo, solo movies. movies, which is fine because I mean, it opens, he's got a contract. They'd have to negotiate. A it, it opens a larger question: is like, well, do we really? Do you really want an ongoing when there's so many? You, you, there can only be right. so many in a year. So, do we want it to be exclusively Iron Man? No, just like I. You know I, what I want? Monthly Marvel movies. I'm almost nice. with you, except I, you know, considering it's October. <laughs> okay, and the last, bi-monthly Marvel. <laughs> and the last movie I saw was Guardians of the Galaxy back in August. I've yeah. been busy, so. Um, <laughs> How many times did you see it, though? <laughs> no, twice. That's all I saw it, you know. Yeah. And, that, and that, that, those, that was the last, and the, and the next to last movie I saw <laughs> was Guardians of the Galaxy. So um, I might go see The Judge being Robert Downey Jr.'s next movie. Yeah. But he was asked, and I think it was by Collider, who said, like, which is just one of those, Dumb 
dumb questions. Like, oh, yeah. like if your pal Mel Gibson directed Iron Man four, would you do it? And and I read the actual quote, and he said, "Is that the headline?" And the guy said, "Sure." And he goes. Well, then, okay, yeah. And I could totally see it being an off-the-cuff, which meant that for a couple of days, all the headlines in, 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 in the websites were, he said he'd do Iron Man 4 if, if Mel Gibson directed it. It's like, no, he has mentioned, however. Turn those around the other way. He has mentioned, however, yeah. that he and Mel Gibson do have a plan to do something together. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, you know, no matter how you feel about Mel Gibson, who is... A talented a filmmaker. Oh. He's a maniac, but he is a talented filmmaker. Did and, you ever see uh, Apocalypse? And, no, I haven't. But but let's be honest. Hollywood has forgiven Roman Polanski, and Roman Polanski actually, you know, stopped a twelve year old girl in the behind. So um, who is you know, this Hollywood that you're talking? about? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, Polanski's not allowed to set foot in this country for fear he'll be thrown in jail. You know, Mel Gibson. Is a big has it, made a number but, of but, controversial but he, statements. Has made a number of controversial statements. Not acted on anything. And I don't know. I don't know his heart. I don't know his soul. He might be insane. I'm just saying that so, some have been forgiven for things that I consider far worse crimes. Uh, I, I shouldn't say far worse. because now we're digging a hole. They're but, not necessarily crimes. But yeah, he may be a jerk. But he's a talented yeah. filmmaker, and there have been uh, there have been jerks who have been forgiven for being jerks if they've made more money. So uh, Robert Downey Jr. for example, exactly, and that's why he stands by right. Gibson because Gibson gave him a chance when no one else would, and Marvel, and that's why he's good to why Robert Downey Jr. has been good to Marvel is you know he knows you know mm-hmm. he was again on a downside and Marvel he was gave a him risk. a chance he was a huge risk, but it paid off beautifully. So anyway, uh, but he did say on Ellen. I believe it was yesterday. Uh, After going on Howard Stern yesterday and saying, no, it should be noted. See, we don't know what the truth is. He's brilliant. He's, but he's not the producer. No, and he said Marvel has plans. Just you wait and see. Yeah. So I know he's not the producer, but let's let's face it. If, if he were clearly going to say to Kevin Feige, you know, let's negotiate. I'd like to do that Iron Man 4. They'd do it. If that would, you know, fit in their plans. Right. Now, I'm I'm being as cagey as Robert Downey Jr. If that fit in their plans, and now my pinky goes to my mouth, mm, okay, uh, one mil- million because we'll dollars. Move, if we make Iron Man 4, we'll make one million dollars um, a million times. Uh, it, so, uh, it, it's just kind of interesting because then, of course, everybody starts talking. Then what's the plan? I see a later rumor here. Uh, Avengers 3 as a two-parter. Well, then it would be Avengers 3 and 4. Um, Unless they... It, it really depends on how the contracts are written because if they shoot it all at once, does that count as one film from the actor's point of view when they've got them making one... They've got a uh, four-picture no, deal? No, and I will tell you why. Because it was a huge lawsuit back in the 70s. Uh, it's called uh, The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers. Oh, okay. They were told they were making one film right. and they broke it into two. Yes, and then they all the actors sued, ah. so you can't do that anymore. You can't claim it's like when you when they went to the do the Hobbit, they had to renegotiate when they decide when they broke it into two, and then when they decided to break it into a trilogy, you had to renegotiate and pay everybody more. I would agree with you, except for it, t- it comes down to the fact that no laws were written against that. It's just how you, they sue, 
and then you have you have a prior no, 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 you have no, a no prior uh, but uh, but it depends on how they how they write contracts. Well, no, and I'll tell you, no laws unless you count a union rule. Okay, a union rule has been set. Okay. okay, so that's it. Say, yes, I admit Hollywood is not a nation unto itself. Therefore, it does not have laws. Those laws of Hollywood, if anything, it is lawless. It is Sodom and Gomorrah of the modern world. And um, I, I still wouldn't put it past a motion picture studio to write a contract in such a matter that they could serialize a movie. Um, I, I, I would. Okay, I, I would in this in, in this point because. Um, Although my 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 counter argument is suddenly going, well, Transformers two, but uh, <laughs> it's like that's when they made a movie without uh, without any um, you know union. There was a, there was a, a strike going on, um, so I yeah I, I don't I, I I don't think they would because that it, it, there, there's no it, there's no return in breaking faith that badly right now. Uh, that that if you come out and say we're that powerful, it, it's no. I think I, I think it's just it's a matter of the way the contracts get negotiated. We're going to pay you more. You're going to work longer hours because you're shooting more more footage for this film. But that is potentially going to be broken. But into considering two that, parts. like, they, no, you you'd have because they always shoot those things and they'd as one know. effort. But if you're talking about this right, uh, they don't always. They, Peter Jackson did. Yeah. Superman did not. Superman. Harry Potter did. Uh, no, they took they took breaks. They had to wait for full scripts. There were breaks in between. Um, the kids didn't. They go didn't off break do down production. They didn't restaff. They. they uh, mean, yeah, they did. So a few, a few of the staffs. It was they were still considered as separate productions. And Superman one and two was one that was also because of the Salkinds that had also produced the Three Musketeers, and they tried it again. They stopped. They shut down. But again, at that point. Those actors knew they were making two films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it has not been done si- since. I my the possible exception I'd say is that the Hobbit, which was originally announced mm-hmm. as two, became three, but they were renegotiated and repaid, or or I shouldn't say repaid, but they were paid more for this. Right, terms so, were adjusted because it's not. I I, I don't uh, never having had a film contract. The the thing is, it's not just the long hours; it's the days of shooting. Well, from the actor's point of view, it's the, what they can schedule coming up right, after the right. movie and for additional you, uh, right, and that's why you can't do on. it because they they're contracted to other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're unless they're you know like third orc from the left, so uh, I was up for that or third dark elf uh, to to take it back to the Marvel universe and back to the you know so I you know. It, but the big the big rumor specifically out of the Avengers three was actually that it was more likely that Phase three, which Avengers three will be the culmination of Phase three, as Age of Ultron is, I guess arguably the culmination of Phase two, the way Avengers was, the end of Phase one, uh, is that you're you're bringing up these lesser characters, and I use that term judiciously, right? Like the Ant- new Avengers, like Ant Man. Like who knows? Maybe somebody out of the Netflix deal could come, could be vaulted up to uh, to big screen status. Iron Fist, Deathlock, uh, 
No, I don't think Deathlock. Death Death I don't think they've designed Deathlock to look that great on film, uh, on on a big screen. Unfortunately, because it'd be cool. I'd love to see J, J, uh, August Richards get um, that that big a shot, but um, that it could be just like the comics were eventually Cap's kooky quartet, or or Tony Tony Stark has to uh, organize a whole new team. Uh, to West get- Coast Avengers. Great Lakes Avengers. No. Yes. Flat, Flat Man. Flat Man. That's where Squirrel Girl came from. I know. I know. And uh, so there. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, but that's all speculation because I because you notice the real truth is Robert Downey Jr. Other than concretely saying the words yes and no, <laughs> said nothing else concrete. But people went around, and again, there was uh, more about. Um, the Spider-Man deal uh, that that uh, but this I don't think really came out of Robert Downey Jr. This came out of more confirmation right. that uh, out of, uh, I want to say Tom Savini that's not right right Tom DeFalco uh, at Marvel uh, confirmed this week what he'd been saying was not true for months, which is that the Fantastic Four is actually being canceled, is coming to an end in 2015 before the Fox movie comes out and that there will be no promotional tie-in with the Fox movie of Fantastic Four, which is good because really it's a movie about four freaks that is called the Fantastic Four. I believe that Marvel is just going to hibernation to, to buffer, to, to sleep out this, this horrible winter that's coming. I don't think that Marvel is, but I think that the four, (laughs) the Fantastic (laughs) Four, Four, um, because yeah, it's like the worst of, uh, you know, I mean, it does remind me of that of the story I've retold, and I mentioned in Convolution again of Jeff Johns telling me that the the worst moment of of Warner Brothers development many 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 years ago, besides actually making the Green Lantern movie, was sitting in a room where a producer said, "Does he really need the ring? Can we get rid of the <laughs> ring?" Um, you know, and that's what the Fantastic Four movie feels like. Except yeah. we don't really know. This could be, on the other hand. The greatest fake out in the history of movies in which they have completely lied to us because nobody's seen a thing. Yeah. Except the thing. We've seen a maquette of the thing. Um, the, nobody has seen a thing from the actual film. And, and, and no, they finished still, filming? They finished principal photography, which doesn't mean they're, not, they're, they're working they on special effects. They could and... come back in for reshoots, but they did a wrap. They tweeted out a photo of the four. Uh, Kate Mara, I think, was the one who said, I love you guys. We're done. We're out of New Orleans. And, you know, so that's what we know. But Michael B. Jordan keeps saying, like, you know, blah, 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 and we're in containment suits, which actually doesn't sound that far off. But it's still everything just seems so negative and non-fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was also, and we've talked about this before, that it replied that X-Men writers are for, are told not to create new characters because that just goes straight to um, the Fox deal. We talk about a franchise that doesn't need new characters. Right, and Simon Kinberg, you know, can uh, uh, confirmed this week that Deadpool, not only is it a go, but it's going to be set in the regular X-Men universe, which is a little bit disappointing to me unless they still continue with the idea that I read that the first... I haven't read the first draft that I read of the first draft of Deadpool that it opens with him complaining about the treatment he got in X-Men Origins Wolverine ripping into that film and then and being very aware of himself again like in the comics as a fictional character and it was also rated R but now I've I've picked up rumors that Fox is backing away from that and wants to be, to be PG-13 mm. 
Now, some people Ugh. in this sense of shoddy journalism, as we, that we call journalism in comics, you, were saying like, well, you know, uh, or I think it's actually movie journalists who don't really know anything about comics. Well, Marvel's doing the death of Deadpool. Like, yeah, because they just did the death of Wolverine, and Wolverine's going to stay dead probably through X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. And, uh, well, good. You know, if you're going to kill a character, let him stay dead for two years. Two years minimum. You know, um, and so the same thing is going to go with Deadpool on the on the flip side. I don't think, you know, Marvel has pushed Deadpool licensing very, very hard. So I don't they've worked hard to build him up. Uh, so I don't think that's going to go away in the hearts and minds of fans easily. But I do understand, you know, it is again confirmed that it, there's bad blood. The flip side is that there is not bad blood between uh, Ike Perlmutter, who is the majority stockholder in Marvel and Sony with Spider-Man. They've negotiated some sort of deal, which reminds me, you know, of course, there was also this weird rumor. Wouldn't it be cool if Stan Lee was playing the Cinematic Universe version of The Watcher last week? You know, yeah, that was so weak, though. It was so weak. It was so... It's like, um, have we forgotten that ultimately these are movies and they're not real people and the yeah. joke is that it's Stan Lee, you know? Although, man, I still would have loved that Guardians of the Galaxy cameo if Stan Lee had been in the collector's <laughs> zoo. In, in, in the Watcher's outfit with the toga and his arms stretched out like No, the, no, 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 no. No, I'm just were, saying. You read the original cameo that the Disney wouldn't let him do? Right. You know, so uh, that would have been funny if the, right. if the collector part had of the collected collection. Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, because Stan Lee's appeared as a character in his own books as Indeed. Stan Lee. So, uh yeah, and funky flashman. So then the rumor, yeah, but that wasn't by choice. <laughs> uh, but the rumor came back again that like Spider Man's going to be in Avengers three. It's like, look, people, that's not even that's all in the wouldn't it be cool if? Yeah. And and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There is no, I I do know because I've had enough people on the inside tell me this. Marvel is not going to put effort into creating a concept into creating even if it's fan wish fulfillment that they will not make as much money on as they could if they still which is what Saturday Night Live's point was with Guardians of the Galaxy they did all that effort to predict these characters nobody knew and they got the third biggest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie now it is officially the the most popular franchise in the history of film we call it all one franchise which I do it's all the chapters linked together they made everybody go see Guardians. They made them. But, you know, they got everybody excited they about making an excellent movie. Those bastards. <laughs> what a what a ploy. <laughs> what jerks. They made a good film, which is the thing everybody keeps overlooking. Like, well, people went because it was funny. They made a good movie. But the point is they made a good movie in which they own those characters 100%. The yeah. movie rights those movies. There is no need. Believe me, you put Spider-Man and the Avengers... The three people on this podcast right now would go, Yee! and we'd love it. Would it make us go see it any more or less if the movie was no good or whatever? And they would have to share the money with Sony. As it is, Sony has to share the money with Marvel, so they're content. They're not going to Whatever put, effort they do, we make money. Right. Yeah. They're not going to make put Spider... I'm, I'm sorry, but it's one of those moments, again, where you have to say, it's a show business it is not art and i know that this is one of the reasons you know because i've heard it this is why you'll never see the ultraverse characters again well as popular as they were it's because 
Marvel does not own those 100%. They share the ownership, and therefore they're not interested. It's also another reason why I don't think why Disney is still playing around with creating their own line of graphic novels, and, and they're very very careful about which why they've created the, the, the Disney Kingdoms line, and it's just like a little toe in the Marvel marketplace. Meanwhile, there's a Space Mountain graphic novel, yeah. which we even overlooked. Kelly, I you know, I, I like we flipped through it and went, and I didn't even con- Kelly Jones is like he's the guy who drew Red Rain, you know, and there he is doing this graphic novel. You've got one of the coolest, creepiest artists in comics doing a, a theme ride, theme park a ride, a theme park ride, yeah, um, which it really isn't Space Mountain; it's time in Space Mountain. But you know, the, it, but. the from from the standpoint of of a of a viewer of a supporter of these with my money, yeah, I've seen. Guardians four times. I saw Amazing Spider-Man once. I saw it twice. I've pre-ordered the Blu-ray for Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I don't own any of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I own them all. And I I'm don't own say, any way, of I, the I, X-Men movies. I foolishly pre-ordered Amazing Spider-Man 2 from Amazon, and I got it three weeks after it came out, so I'm a little <laughs> annoyed with Amazon. <laughs> Sad. But, uh, but, but I have all the Spider-Man I'm just saying, I, I resent the fact that a company that isn't doing as good a job as I know that Marvel would do had they owned those properties. I understand your point of view on that. And I resent that. I resent them. I resent the ownership being in, in the hands of inefficient and, and lesser creators but effectively and here's the thing is it's not it's in the hands of avi arad who is the guy that took the chance on iron man in the first place and so i and i agree sony may not know and 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 fox i actually though it's been hit and miss i rewatched that first x-men brian singer's x-men movies the first first the the, first one uh, the first one i love x2 I have the Wolverine Claw edition that has all of them, um, and I promised myself I was going to move forward. You know, watch the rewatch them all. Going back and watching that first one again, I think over I did over Easter break. Was like, wow, this really it 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 holds up. So I think that I, I don't feel that, that that. How long ago was that? Uh, that was made in two thousand. Yeah. So considering the budget considering what people thought about movies and, and 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 it's overlooked as the reason that people gave x gave superhero movies a try it's not batman begins it's that brian singer for like 80 million dollars and his budget was cut and he was rushed and he still came up with that concept that you need a really good storyteller can make it work and you can make a team movie and as awesome as avengers is and is better I, I would say I could probably watch Avengers more often than I could X Men. It's still, but it, I'm comparing. I'm comparing what they're doing right now, right, with current budgets and current special effects and the and the level of competition that's out there, right. But I'm also again one of those people that I really enjoyed Amazing Spider Man too, and I I not I did not enjoy Sam Raimi's. I mean, they were all. If you go back on Fanboy Planet, when I had planets on it, like two and a half planets, it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm glad they made a Spider Man movie. Maybe they'll make a better one. <laughs> and then the one that I thought was the best one is the one everybody hates the most, which is just weird. Which is Amazing Spider Man Two. I didn't think it was overstuffed. I thought it was fine. Mm. It, you know, they're all flawed. Ama- I thought Amazing Spider Man Two was infinitely better than Amazing Spider Man One. Which I'll also agree with because I've said it before. It's like Amazing Spider-Man One. I'll was agree this was, was an interesting take. Uh, it was an interesting independent drama about a boy dealing with the death of his parents at a, at a very young age, and then 
an inexplicable <laughs> origin went in. And Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2 has its problems too. Like, really? Richard Parker, although it's funny to me that the same character, the same actor got to say Richard Parker, meaning two different characters in two different movies, Life of Pi and Amazing Spider-Man. Richard Parker. Uh, that Richard Parker was able to take an abandoned subway station and turn it into a high-tech lab that even did the, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the revolving, the, the, the yeah. black beauty trick. Right. Uh, and no one in New York City noticed that. The guy, you know, one guy working on the weekends, he did that. Although I, I do have to say, this actually happened Secret in lab. London. There was so much street work in London I don't know if you know this story, but there is so much street work in London constantly going on that a student group protest, uh, a student group as a joke, practical joke, actually set up barriers and, uh, and started tearing up the street uh, in, in, in London. Um, they got away with it for a week before anybody bothered to wow. check that there were no permits. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, they just looked official and they, you know, I don't know if it was like a sketch troupe, you know, or whatever. <laughs> they but, build a clubhouse under, but, underground. Yeah, so it could be done. The yeah. thing is, when I say something seems un- seems unbelievable, then something like that goes along. It's like, well, it almost could have, you know. So, um, but there, yeah, I know. I, I, ended, I But I'm not resentful because it's business and, and who says they owe us that? What I resent is that somebody in the, uh, well, what I resent is that when we were children, uh, that no one had the foresight and no one had the vision to hold on. And that there was this fire sale because Marvel almost went out of business. And that's yeah. when those rights were right, sold right, out. Right. You know, uh, so that's... You're going to resent back. the Fantastic Four movie, though. Yeah, but I don't... But I... But I resent the Fantastic Four movie for reasons differently than you. I am... I've said it before. I am fine with those first two movies because they're kids' movies. The only thing I resented about those movies is that there was clearly one scene, actually not in the second one, there was a scene in the first one that was designed to make sure it got a PG-13 so teenagers would go. But when I had my five-year-old... Uh, actually, I take that back. He was even younger than that because, yeah, Luke was, I think, three or four when Rise of the Silver Surfer came out, and he loved the Silver Surfer. And one of the earliest toys I got him was the stretchy Reed Richards, and he loved that. And he treated that like other kids treat their baby doll. He would walk that around. That was he, that was his prize. Of course, it was brittle because those toys really yeah, yeah. suck, uh, and it broke. But it was it was a great, like, oh, my God, he loved that toy to death and he loved the fantastic four and my resentment of of the dc movies and even to some extent the marvel cinematic universe is that even when i took my kids to see guardians of the galaxy i loved guardians of the galaxy but there were moments i'm like i don't know what did i miss what did i what what you know what am i gonna have to talk to him about you know with language or whatever and and okay, Luke's ten, and the reality is that. But if you were taking your six-year-old, because there's this raccoon, and you know, um, but Iron Man, the Iron Man movies are not for kids. We had to have a really oh, strong sure. conversation after Iron Man three about the way Tony Stark is dismissive about fathers, and you know, and and, and so they're, I mean, which is great, they're for adults. But the thing is, ultimately, I go back sometimes with what Alan Moore said: is they were for kids, and it got out of control, and nobody's. Aiming them for kids, except that they are creating new things for kids, and then my generation is getting all resentful that they're not creating for them. You know, so because oh, we don't like that uh, the kids can have their own secret universe. We want our secret universe. You don't want the kids in on ours because it's the cool one. We've got the coolest. Get off my secret universe. You you get off my secret wars. Um, So yeah, it's I'm not resentful. Is ultimately. 
it is a business and maybe it'll it'll come back but i i can't i can't deal with a monthly marvel movie as it is we have essentially a bi-monthly marvel movie or a bi-monthly superhero movie my god i mean it's been like oh my it's been like two months without a superhero movie what are we going to do isn't there something coming up go see guardians again galaxy um I'm going to go see something like Gone Girl. Or go see, what is it, Attack, um, Unusual Character what Attack the Chinese Squad. Government yeah. Called? yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It's Guardians translates to Attack Squad. And and then uh, Jeffrey Tambor, I guess, on, on Colbert Report talked about the Hellboy 3, which I'd love to see that happen yes. because that's the unfinished trilogy. Although I'm still torn where I'm like, one of the issues, aside from the Hellboy movies, really didn't make as much money as we'd love to believe they did. Hmm. You know, that's, I mean, and again, it's a business and that's fine. No, no. But I think, but I think that every year the effects get cheaper. It, it is a way to do it. Um, but I do think that Mike Mignola still has the right to end it his way before. Uh, the, the Hellboy movies were just so much fun. I love them. I love them. But, uh, but the other thing is, you know, it's Guillermo del Toro. So, you know, it's on the list. Yeah. I'll get around it's to it eventually. 13 on the top. But I want to say the thing that actually I'm, I'm torn about uh, and that is not on your list is that uh, William Shatner tweeted out, uh, I'm back, like Khan, and it is confirmed he will be in Star Trek Three. Wow. So God help us all. Well, um, if the rumor, and again, I, I you know put a big, I, I wish this was a visual podcast to just have a big rumor, rumor. <laughs> uh, what I read is that the scene this time around, um, because there was a scene scripted, in the first one for him uh, he didn't like it apparently but uh, the uh, the rumor is that he and Leonard Nimoy rather than play, having Nimoy play old Spock from the previous universe that they will just play the old versions of Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto so oh. which could be interesting so they're, they're a future flashback yeah that it's like a, a flash something. forward. If well, you they're, will. They're, my fear, my fear is that it could be, Oh, they're going to redo the golden years episode, <laughs> which is the thing I hate about the star Trek oh, series. Just yeah. like going, here's the greatest hits. Remember when they got old? I don't want that. I would like to see the scene that was cut from the original script. I also liked was, uh, was the idea. But my, my basic problem is that where you can totally see Zach Kinto becoming Leonard Nimoy. They, they look enough alike. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't think that Chris Pine and William Shatner look quite enough alike to believe that Chris Pine is going to age into that. It's and he doesn't talk like a moron. Don't you besmirch the shat like that? All right, okay. <laughs> I'm going to resist and just say that the the idea <laughs> you that you tried to and it still accidentally unconsciously <laughs> happened uh, because the... it's. Infectious. If you look, <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, look at the presentation oh, oh, experts sitting there going, "I've got pauses. I've got inappropriate pauses." No, as long as you don't do ums and ahs, you're okay. No, that says you read fine. the study this summer that said that's a sign of a smarter person. No, pauses. No, we're not going to go into this. When you look at <laughs> his work in Twilight Zone, you look at that young man. You cannot see that young man turning into the current Shatner. He just doesn't look alone. Doesn't no, look but I, I think my thing is that is that the young man, the young Shatner, is so iconic as well that there's a difference between what Chris Pine looks like and what young William Shatner looked like. 
Yes. And the, I, I agree with you there. when you see Zach Kinto and young Leonard Nimoy... You can see it. I mean, when no. they announced him at Comic-Con and, and Nimoy said his wife was backstage going, oh my God, he looks just like you. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. it's only logical. Yeah. So... We'll can you really see a young William Shatner turning into the parody of William Shatner well, that's that exists now? That's the question now? that that, uh, that Rick just asked, and I, I I I do see them. I mean, because you you see them because you've seen them progress all I've through that. Progress. But if you took a, yeah, if you look at and I've done this recently. But what I was going to say is <laughs> look at pictures of no, myself. I, no, I've looked at <laughs> pictures of you. Yeah, have looked at pictures of myself and now, and I don't see myself either. I see my dad. Um, Wait, isn't your dad behind you? Isn't there a picture? There's somewhere? a picture of him somewhere. But uh, that's much older. When you he looks like my friend Jimmy Snell. When you um, when you look at when you look at um, you look at uh, David McCollum in uh, in NCIS, isn't he? Is he on that show? Yeah, I, and uh, they've got a flashback episode with Man from Uncle with with him at the age he was doing Man from Uncle in like the swing in sixties. Yeah, and they got a they got a young actor who looks pretty much like him. <laughs> But I do see. I don't think David McCallum has aged poorly at all. No, he's aged great. Right. And, and you know, it, it, so to me, he's yeah. I mean, that's a difference. I, I see what you're saying. And and Shatner's probably had a harder life than we know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, no, no. He's uh, certainly gone through just, enough wives. Let's and just I'd say this: Maca- uh, McCallum's kept the weight off. That's true. And Shatner has not. And the weight will take it will take yeah. your face down. It will it will do lots of things to you. Yeah, so. I know. I, I worry about that all the time. I stare at my picture. Your face is buoyant. Boyish? No, it's buoyant. Okay, whatever. But the original scene was actually that it was a uh, uh, that old Spock was going to look at a greeting card, like a, a hologram, and it was going to be reflection of. Ah, uh, yes. It was a recording made by Kirk before he died. Yes. Uh, wouldn't it be? I remember wouldn't that. it be nice to have one last adventure together, and that that was why that was one of the things driving Nemo. I mean, as it was in that movie, it was so moving to me. When I, I, I am not ashamed to admit it. I had my Harry Knowles Armageddon moment when uh, Leonard Nimoy came out of the cave and said, "I have been and will always be your, your friend." friend. And I went, <laughs> it's so true. This is such a great friendship. And <laughs> that line gets me every time. And, and it does. And, and and which is why I think I didn't like Into Darkness because it kind of crapped on that, you know, uh, on that moment by doing, "See, we reversed it." When it's like, "No, you already paid tribute to that moment right. in such a beautiful way." And I guess you know, ultimately Shatner didn't like it didn't feel like that was active enough for him, you know? So I'm, we, we'll see. I, I, I have hopes for Star Trek because I, I guess I get to mention at this point, I did a crossover episode, uh, which I'd actually almost forgotten that I'd done. Um, and, and let me hang on. I'll pull out uh, Twitter so that I can just lead people to this, right? Uh, cause Carr asked me, uh, or recommended uh, me to, uh, a, a guy named Eric Molinsky who works for NPR and had done some things and he wanted to start a podcast of his own which my my podcast went up to Thrilling Adventure Hour what a coincidence um it's loading uh a new podcast by a guy named Eric Molinsky who has been a, a public radio producer and reporter uh about science fiction and other fantasy genres and it's uh, called Imaginary Worlds and so I think golly we did uh he interviewed me about six months ago. 
Like mm. he was trying to get it together. And he was trying to figure out what to do with this. And so um, he had and it's an episode now called, which I got to download and listen to called the Canon. And uh, so it, it's about Star Trek and why has Star Trek lasted? And so we, we debated that issue for about 15, 20 minutes. Actually, I think we probably talked for about a half an hour and he edited it down to about a 15 minute episode talking about Star Trek. And so uh, you check out imaginary worlds available on iTunes uh, and this guy's the real deal. It's not us sitting around a table. This guy's actually in a radio station and, you know, doing stuff. We're the real deal, too, because this is the way we're, you know, I, I would like to uh, paraphrase Andy Warhol. Everyone will have a podcast for 15 minutes. And we especially have a, if you're a comedian in and L.A. If you're, and if you're listening to us now, we've had it for two hours and counting. Uh, and, not, not quite. Uh, and how many episodes? And 379. I don't know. I don't, right. 370. I don't coming count. up on four hundred. No, we're gonna. I, I, we have plan. I've been laying out plans for episode four hundred already. Oh. We've got to. We'll have a. We're gonna have a staff meeting about this. Oh, I'm sorry. Insert expletive here. A <laughs> 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 uh, moment of a Christmas story. So anyway, uh, you know. So I. That's the thing. Is Star Trek is this thing that always just like Star Wars to me is. I, there was another one. You know, Mark Hamill tweeted out, and which I have on the Twitter feed for Fanboy Planet. Uh, Mark Hamill tweeted out a photo of himself in full Jedi garb uh, as Jedi Master. And, you know, it's like, I'm excited. I know that I've been burned. I know that I hated the last three movies. And I'm still going to go back. And it's like, you But know, you know what? If you just saw... Because you know what? With Star Trek, I hated Star Trek V, and then I got Star Trek VI. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I didn't like Star Trek One. I got Star Trek Two. So... If you saw Mark Hamill at the end of Empire Strikes Back, uh, Return of the Jedi, yeah, and you looked at that picture, you would not put those two faces together. That's because he doesn't have the same face. Um, no, he lost his face in in uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. That's when no, he had no, no, I know, but the, but the uh, he, I'm saying I see he's he, done the Hollywood thing. He he uh, well he had to because remember he'd had that's why they did that. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's a, that's one of those rumors. It was it was bad coincidence that they had that scene for him uh, in Empire Strikes Back, and he'd had the accident, so it's like conflated together. But the thing is, the reconstructive surgery—it's not even that. I think it's more that he was very Malibu. You know, he got a lot of sun, so yeah. his fa- his yeah. his skin did not age particularly well. And I say that having you know, I say you can look it up on Once Upon a Dime. I, Fanboy Planet used to used to do some ghost writing work for uh, for Mark Hamill, so I can say that out of personal great guy, and so excited that he, that he's back, and so excited that Star Wars Episode Seven is like I know I I I could be burned, I could not. I'll still Are you go. shattering again? I'll still go for Star Trek Eight. No, I well okay if Star Wars Eight, Star Wars Eight, I'll go for Star Trek Eight too. <laughs> How about Star Wars and Star Trek together? Combined into one massive Shakespearean genre film. Okay, all in iambic pentameter. I prefer no tears uh, for Caesar. Let me put that. Up. They're also going to do Free Enterprise too. So you know, if you haven't seen Free Enterprise, I totally recommend that. Um, but let's get to television, shall we? We should. Uh, we should get to television. Because last night, you guys can talk about Shield again. I'll use that as a bathroom break. But the oh no, you want to hear this? No, I don't. Uh, the big because I enjoyed. I, I'm We're not going to be spoilery. I don't know that we need to review every week because I think it's just always no, no. Oh, there's always new. The, the only reason I want to talk about Shield is something that will come out of Flash. Easter eggs? Uh, no. no, okay. <laughs> Which order do you want? It? Do you want to start? I want with to do Flash? Flash first, okay? Because you know, I think honestly, even there was big news, but 
The reality is, to me, probably one of the best superhero pilots, and I've hinted at it before because I watched it a couple of months ago, uh, one of the best superhero pilots that that has made it to television, made it to television last night, which is The Flash. And as much as I enjoyed the original, ver- uh, the previous version. Right. Uh, John Wesley's ship. Ships. Ship. Who's in this one? In a great role. Yeah. Uh, as, as Barry Allen's father. And my God, he's one of those. It's like when they cast John Schneider as Jonathan Kent. It's yeah, like, you just go. It's like, what a perfect. great TV dad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not only was he a good Barry Allen in a show that didn't quite get Barry Allen. Um, but man, he is a great dad. I mean, I believe those scenes, especially with the with the young Barry, you know, the the kind of like don't fight, but good for you, you know. And then it's like, wow, he's really a great paternal figure. I want to get my one bit of hating out because I don't want to dwell on it too much. But at the beginning of the show, there's a lot of indoor work. There's a lot of indoor photography, and a mm-hmm. lot of people like they're, they're introducing characters and stuff. Yeah. And it just smelled the high heaven of any CW show. Oh, they and do. And it's all the same steady hand cam stuff work I, I that they do. I won't say and which one. I'm I, getting I, so sick of that. I have a friend who said that about uh, Arrow. Uh, Arrow, yeah. It's Arrow like, has a, the same aff- cause affliction. Because he, he says Arrow, he says like Arrow's, it's like I like Arrow, but then it's got CW all over Yeah. It. Ew, you got CW all over my hero. Which remind me, which I, I was But watching. it's just in the indoor shots. Yeah, 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 it doesn't. Uh, what else did I just watch that, uh, that that I was just noticing a difference between the way the CW does it? Oh, the difference between the way, with the way Gotham shoots it is like uh, last week's yeah. episode of Gotham. There was a tracking shot of Fish Mooney where it's like you would never see that in the CW show yeah. because actually the tracking shot serves a dramatic purpose. Yes, like it was a great, and you just don't see that on CW because. The reality is CW's audience is different. They still are really what they're hoping to catch with Flash. Why Barry Allen is Grant Gustin, this kid from Glee, and and he's not the the stodgy Barry Allen of the comics. Yeah, he's he's this. I don't really know. Uh, he's almost more like Jimmy Olsen getting struck by lightning. He is. He truly, you know, truly is. is because is because they're hoping that the fifteen year old girls are home on Tuesday night. And going to tune in and watch that, and their mothers, will, their mothers, and they will watch Arrow together to watch on Wednesday night. Yeah, so it's and it's torn. So was Flash at eight o'clock because I didn't watch it last yes. night. Okay, so Flash is at eight, Shields at nine. No conflict. Good. Okay, I can I can handle that. The um, not that I get to watch either of them in real time, but you know, still, I, the 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 um, I've forgotten now. Uh, CW. McCall, convoy, come on! Oh, convoy. Gotham. So in, in Gotham, um, the the scene at, at Wayne Manor yeah. with uh, with Gordon coming back and uh, Alfred being worried because Bruce has burned his hand yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It's a couple of it's a couple of fixed camera ca- camera shots. Yeah, and it's just so elegant, and the the power of the characters comes out so much better. Whereas in the CW, the, the tracking stuff, they, it's all about the kind of innuendo and banter well, and, and it's just like you know just, like smallville had this thing where every where anytime there was a scene between two people it was always a two shot 
and there'd be one back and then you'd see and, and anytime anybody went in for an embrace I could call it it's like okay and it will be a two shot and there will be the one character's facial reaction I'm, I'm trying to vi- make this a visual which is pointing my hands in different directions but which hand is if lowest I, if, if, if this, this, oh, <laughs> this hand is lowest uh, <laughs> oh my god you cut that out <laughs> I know I said something just horrible because <laughs> I loved Erica Durant's um, but anyway, it was a two shot and you could always count on the inner feelings of the character would be reflected in that two shot with that embrace. And it would just be like, oh, my God, which John Schneider it was usually Chloe making a weird. It would oh either crap, be Chloe myself or, into deep trouble or yeah. John Schneider. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Schneider was a master actually at making me not resent that shot. But as much as I loved Chloe as well, Allison Mack. That uh, that t- the, that two shot always bugged me when it was Chloe. It's like, oh, for God's sake, Chloe! How many times are you going to get yourself in trouble? And not, and, and, you know, and <laughs> when they're on how many location. times are you going to hug someone and immediately regret it? When they're off the set, when when they're outdoors, actually doing a location shot, it's an entirely different camera crew, and those are so dynamic and so good. And and the difference between the Flash and and I really got to catch up on Arrow. I mean, I have all, all the Blu-rays. I'm ready. Um, and now it's just time uh, that um, that the difference between like Flash and Way Smallville did it is like so far at least. Oh, I I got a feeling that Central City was big. Yes. You you uh, I was talking about this with friends last week uh, watching. Uh, got uh, the Flash was like in Smallville. Even Metropolis felt like it was one city block. Yes. With docks. Uh, no, that's, that's just it. It was the one set that it was the Sesame Street set, just yeah. redressed. <laughs> you know, and, and they shot it from a couple of different angles. Oh, and it was, you know, it'd be awful. It's like even though like, I can't even. So you know it, it, that was repetitive. Whereas I did feel there was a scope to Central City. There was space mm-hmm. to it, and I, I, I just, I'm glad. We, I'm glad that people have seen it now because I can then talk about how just uh, again that they went where they went. With the ending of that, that the promise, if that seer, if that gets to have seven, six seasons in a movie, um, which Warner Brothers won't do, but you know, uh, six seasons or seven seasons or ten, like Smallville did, where that show can go right now, yeah, is I never thought that they do it, and it's like so as and so the television, uh, DC's television stuff is amazing, and if it's true, if it's if it's on purpose that Gotham was sort of tying into Arrow last week with the shot of Queen Industries and there's an implication of Wayne Tech in, uh, not an implication it's an explication, there's an actual Wayne Tech is mentioned in The Flash, therefore they're crossing over not caring what networks they're on. Yeah, They're giving us what we want in a subtler way, in a more clever way but it's not translating to the, to the movies. I have to I have to bring something up that I, I'm, I, I'm you, you may have thought of it already but there is the crossover where they bring Arrow in for a consultation. Which was with, awkward. Which was a little awkward, and the characters were really weirdly... I mean, the Arrow character was far too smiley, happy, especially at the Compared end when, to how he is on the show. When he said, yeah. oh, that's so cool, whatever. But I love the I love the fact that he's hanging off the side of the building as if he's going to walk up on his guy line past another window. And he's just... It's, it's, it's Batman 66. <laughs> Well, but that's the thing. Where they've got a guest star. Because the truth is they can't use Batman. So that, that once right. again, they're treating Arrow, Green Arrow, like Batman. Um, and it's okay. I, I I thought that scene was a little awkward. But but it's also like, you know, I just like with, with Gotham's pilot, you have to a- a- accept that just because they shot it didn't mean that they were going to get it. Yeah. They were going to get a series. So they had to make sure that everything in there is like so much fan, so much 
um, network fan service or network service is better to say than fan service. What's amazing is that so much fan service survived the Flash development process. Yeah. And that we have so much. It's, it's not about just naming characters after comic book characters that people wouldn't know anyway. The fan service didn't cost them anything, though. It's just right. it's just good writing and, and following through when you're yeah. doing your sets and, like and you said, signage. And, 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 and the explanation for why superpowers now exist in this universe yeah. was... Or at least in this city. It, it, well, it, but I'm sure it'll spread out because any smart villain uh, would go... Um, well, Central City has this flash. Maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll move over to Gilroy. <laughs> yeah, Gilroy is where you want a super villain. <laughs> I shall corner the second largest garlic, garlic market, market in the world. We used to be the largest, and then China. So it's true. Um, so, so they had to take that take that off the sign. It's now just the garlic capital, not the garlic capital of the world. So. Um, uh, yeah, I did, and I, I like Grant Gustin. It's not necessarily Barry Allen. He's more Wally West to me, but even uh, but even more of an insecure. Actually, you know, he he's really more Jay Garrick, young Jay Garrick from uh, yeah, no, from I, and I totally and I really felt that, especially with the original the costume he's got on right now with the when he had the helmet on and the and yeah. the earpieces and yeah, it looked but much like more the, like Garrick. But I liked the explanation of. Like, why is it a lightning bolt? Because it looks cool. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yes, now there would be a guy doing that design work to go, it's cool, it's awesome. I mean, you know, and, and so everything made sense in a way. You know, I got struck by lightning, I got killer abs. And and, yeah. and it was just, it, 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 it was fun. It rushed a little on Weather Wizard. I'd like to see the characters get costumes, but I suspect they will when we have Captain Cold developed. You know, and the flip side is when you then compare that to well, what's you'll gonna, have costumes. You know why? You remember when he first had his burst of speed and he ends up in the yeah. back of that van? Yeah. The the name on the side it's of the, the van it's the is the guy who did the, it's the, the tailor, tailor yeah. for the robes. Yeah, so I mean, and there's all the, exactly this fan service that cost them nothing. You got a good visual gag that works no matter yeah. whether you knew it or not. And it's I just knew if it. you knew it, you got an extra payoff. Which was going on in that shit series, in that episode like crazy. Flip side, it, you know, because it is the story of the Flash. I don't mind all that coming so fast. Flip side with Gotham is that already they're burning through plot. You're born, yeah. You're burning through this development, and uh, you know because they abandoned their original premise and stole Kevin Smith and Paul Dini's idea. I know, I know. And yet, I was watching um, Monday night's episode of Gotham, saying I I do want to let's stay on the record that um, everybody in Gotham is doing an incredible job mm-hmm. with Gotham. Well, Robin Lord with Taylor, what? the guy with with I mean with what they've got, they're also like I'm really liking Robin Lord Taylor as Oswald Cobblepot and I didn't think I would. Oh yeah. And I think I like he's, him. he's acting the crap out of that and it's just badly paced. There's like, one person that's doing a terrible job. Who do you think that is? Take a guess. The kid playing Bruce Wayne. No. Okay. I hope you're not going to say Fish Mooney. Absolutely. Yeah? No, I Why like is she talking... Like Eartha Kitt? Like Madonna with a crazy accent. Because no. obviously this isn't set in the 1920s because they no, all have she's, cell phones. No, she's, she's, uh, she's doing an Eartha Kitt impersonation. It's awful. Uh, I don't mind it. I'm I'm not minding it at all because I that think is it, the one part of the show that I find unwatchable. Well, oh, okay. actually, because the the thing I would say with that is actually I could I could defend uh, the choice in that 
uh, a character like that who we don't know much about her background, but let's assume very poor. She's got a lot of ambition. She has taken on what she considers airs of sophistication. And that would include the accent because that's why Madonna got it because she, you know, because at heart, let's let, let let's deconstruct Madonna, shall we? <laughs> Madonna at heart. <laughs> what do I feel about the beginning, beginning of Reservoir Dogs? Well, she's she was this little girl whose mo- mother died. She was in a you know poor neighborhood, Italian, yes. uh, in a very ethnic Italian Madonna Ciccone, um, who. You know, she managed to, not only did she pull herself out of that, she gets to become, like, the number one pop star in the world. She gets to move to England, and that's all. And she marries a British director, even though he's more a working-class thug kind of guy and Guy Ritchie. But, you know, it was like, she didn't adopt that until she went to England, and then she's around those people, and so she wants to, it's... You adopt the language, you adopt well, the way people talk. But, but I think you. she's adopting the, what she considered the sophistication, uh-huh. and I think that's what's going on with Fish Mooney. It's a, it, it's, and I do think it's, it's an homage, a Damon Runyon kind of thing. But I think it's also well, an, an homage to Eartha Kitt being the the one black actor mm-hmm. on Batman sixty six, and here she is again. You know, here's Jada Pinkett Smith getting to do that and to you know, we as if she is supposed to be sophisticated. Why is her name still Fish Mooney? It's a nickname. You can't lose it when you're a mobster. Uh, and I and I think you you need to you don't underestimate the the a moniker the uh, I want to say the dichotomies uh, uh, the paradoxes of someone who is putting on airs of sophistication who isn't really sophisticated. Right. right. Uh, so you know, I I I and mean, she's the fish who's eventually going to get eaten, eaten by, by the, the penguin, penguin, who at least finally this week asked for a tuna fish sandwich. Thank God, <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm like, damn it, damn it, would you just be more penguin-like? Uh, it's not Quack. his fault. It's, it's not his fault. I mean, you know, yeah. every, everybody in that show is is really. I'm even liking the girl playing. I can't pronounce her name. That um, that is playing young Catwoman. Catwoman. Although I don't like. Selena. I don't like that Selena's there. It's I, I don't like that everybody's origin is so tightly wound with yeah, each other. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem with the series. Though I mean it's fun. I'm gonna keep watching, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's not like Flash Gordon bad driving me it's, away. It's the missed potential. It's the missed potential in that now they're already setting up this issue of this city needs a vigilante. Well, the good one's not gonna get there for another eight years. Yeah. Uh, well, so, uh, and not only that, but with all of their origins so tightly wound, everybody's gonna know Oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Batman. Oh, this guy's the Penguin. Oh, well, she's everybody does know. It's okay. Everybody does know the, who the villains are. Uh, the villains but, are going to be straight through. But, but you know, but they did toy with this last, uh, last uh, on Monday by with the Balloon Man. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it, but go ahead. But it's at the very beginning. Uh, the, the villain is called. They call him the Balloon Man, but they showed him with a pig mask. So in the trailer uh-huh. of the week before, I thought. Uh, my oh, friend and I were watching it, we and went, oh, it's Professor Pig already? Well, that's nice. They're going to go really deep. And, and, it, and it wasn't. He just, like, his first crime, he puts on the mask. There is a joke. Talk about the Easter eggs, okay? Sorry. Is that, um, which The Flash was full of, and people were talking about, we were going to have a discussion about what Easter eggs were. But there was an interesting thing. is the second guy that uh, the balloon man goes after is named Cranston. So I immediately go, oh, it's Lamont Cranston. And, no, it turns out that the – I think there's no way to do this joke without this point. But he is essentially – the balloon man dresses up identically to the shadow. 
and it turn with with instead of a red uh, scarf, it's it's a black. It's a black scarf. Is he a big nose? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, which is actually the actor's nose. But I mean, he's got the slouch hat. He's in the he's in the long coat, and so he looks like the shadow. He's killing a guy named Cranston, and uh, and his name is his last name is Lamond. So Lamond kills Cranston. And so I'm like, okay, I think we were working a little too hard for the inside yeah, joke like, here. Kill your darlings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at some point, and, and which I think is the problem with the show too is, and maybe I'll I'll go with Nate on this, though it's not bothering me. Fish Mooney is very campy, mm-hmm. in a sense of this show can't decide if that's what it wants to be or not because some things it wants to take very seriously but then it throws in cartoony villains like the Dollmaker's henchmen last week. When you put Frank Whaley and Lily Taylor in there they're the, they're over the top villains They were totally already. over the top and, and wonderful. Then, I, I enjoyed them but, yeah. but the thing is that if what you've been selling us okay, I get it. It's for us. Okay, we should maybe sit back and relax because the average person watching Gotham probably hasn't been reading uh, Batman comics no. for 45 years. No. <laughs> uh, maybe. Okay, there are people not like us who uh, have not been sold for 40 years that the whole reason that there are villains is that they raised their game in response to Batman showing up. Right. And now it's the opposite. They've completely reversed the raison d'etre. I think of- it, it, I, I, I will give you that partially, but I think they, until they start wearing the costumes themselves and having having crazed inventions that they use, because right now it's pretty pretty pedestrian. The child nappers, injections of sedatives, that kind of stuff. No, we balloon, have, balloon Man is a straight oh, okay. out. Is he puts ties people to weather balloons yeah, and kills so. them that way? So yeah, it, okay. it's it, it's all, it felt very actually it felt very Tim Burton at the first Batman when it, when he had the yeah. balloons yeah. full of Smilex. So um, that's not where they went. It's a different kind of crime, and it's actually you know it, it, I thought it was decently plotted for it. Once you, I, I doubt that you could pull that weather balloon trick that he's doing in real life. But at least in terms of this. Same, but it is, but it is just reversing what they right. said because the, Oswald is already the Penguin, because yes. everybody calls him the Penguin. Right. He's had his legs broken so that he now has no choice but to waddle like a penguin because his legs haven't healed correctly, and he's already psychotic. In fact, right, right, right. probably actually more psychotic than the Penguin's ever really been in the comics. Actually, well, you know, here I have a question about the Penguin. Yeah, has he always walked funny? Because all of a sudden. He's, it's like the way he's reacting to people saying, man, you look like a penguin. You were walking. It's his reaction is I think, of someone that would be, have been getting that through their whole life. But I was under the impression he was limping because of the injury. I was under that impression too. And I think that's, that's one of those weaknesses in plotting. He's called the penguin first. And I think the implication and, Good for them for actually not exaggerating the nose. He does wear a prosthetic. I've read that. Oh. He said he, he does wear uh, a, a longer, a slightly longer, sharper nose than he actually has in real life. I've never seen a photograph of him uh, not in character. So, um, but I can actually see this as a character who has undergone all the all the antagonism all his life, and. It's only recently that he's come unto himself in his and I, gangsterisms I, and, I and think, being able and I, to... And I, and I think by showing his mother 
uh, in the second episode right. where the formality, which was one of the things that has occasionally been in his origin in the comics, which admittedly with every universe there's been, well, actually even within every universe there's been two or three different versions of why he became mm-hmm. the Penguin and how his personality works. My favorite was actually when he tried to reform, one of my favorite stories. But, um, but um, The one recent of, one or an older one? There was an older one that uh, Norm Breifogel wrote where the Penguin uh, uh, fell in love and Batman ended up realizing that if that he had caught somehow uh, the Penguin had been trying to go straight and these other guys kind of blackmailed him and Batman had to decide whether or not he was going to let Oswald go because he said, you know, you really haven't committed a crime, but you violated parole by even just associating with these men, even though they came to you. And the Penguin's like is begging him like, no, I really love this woman. And it, and it was, I think Alan Grant wrote it. And it was just like, see, it was just a great Breifogel illustration of Batman, like befuddled. Like, I really don't know what to do. And I feel sorry for the Penguin, you know, and it was like, so, you know, I, I've, I've liked that. But I've also, I've also completely bought into the version of the Penguin who is like, they made fun of him growing up because mm-hmm. his mother dressed him, made him dress overly formally, um, which I think is implied in Gotham in that second episode. And so, uh, you know, I could see it. That's not on the. That's not pardon the pun on the nose. It's just sort of there. But I think that they've that they've heightened the thing about the waddling. But you're right that he was also irritated by in the pilot by people calling him the penguin before right. he had anything other than a nose that we under would that we would have understood yeah. why people. And I, I don't even think the, I don't even think the nose is that noticeable. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's funny if you watch uh, Boardwalk Empire on Showtime. Yeah. The, the uh, the, all the gangsterisms and stuff there and the, the origins of various gangsters it, it they they aren't that far off from the things that happen in gotham with with these characters that, there's one more thing i hate that i just thought of okay <laughs> it's renee montoya um yeah i don't like Montoya. i did she believes every single thing every single criminal tells her and then goes to Barbara I, the, and that, says, that "Hey, this is, is a, a week, fact." Is a week. Right? I said that I, from the pilot. I didn't like Montoya and Allen, and I I don't necessarily like that they've made. Although I guess this does fit that Barbara is so troubled, because obviously, at some point in the in the future, though it wouldn't be. I don't know that it'll be with Lieutenant Essen because I think she's being portrayed as much older than Jim Gordon. You know that Gordon and Essen will have an affair. And uh, I think that was implied. That's Batman Year One. Um, so uh, there, you know, the, and part of what I think in Batman Year One that that Barbara was already drinking, uh, and you know, very angry and troubled, and so um, they're already setting that up. But that to me is a sop to, and I, I think it's a holdover from the uh, the original version of the show, which is would have been largely Bruce Wayne free. And and villain free is that they had that they were that they were lining up a lot of characters that could have a lot of soap opera, and I feel like all the soap opera they put on Barbara makes little sense. Mm-hmm. It's just there; it's so blatantly there for the soap opera. What I do like, and I really hadn't keyed into in the pilot, was that of course um, Jim Gordon lives in the clock tower. Yeah, of Oracle. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's like oh, okay, nice. And I don't mind that because that's subtle. Not everybody would get that Oracle, his daughter's going to grow up 
or his niece, really, his adopted daughter, is going to grow up. There, I just pushed my glasses up for being a total Zorlack on that. Uh, (laughs) You know, is going to grow up. Not really his daughter. No, because he has a son who was a serial killer, um, according to Scott Snyder. And uh, so, you know. Cannon. In the clock tower. It's cannon. It's cannon. Um, So, uh, which, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. So, um, the. You, you want to talk about S.H.I.E.L.D.? I just don't The one to, thing I uh, wanted to bring up. Okay, I'm going to go ahead. No, no, no. It's not, no big deal. You, you, the one thing I wanted to bring up was that it seems to be that S.H.I.E.L.D. and now we've got the Flash sure love the metas that deal with weather because... I think they're easy special I, effects I think to do. that it must be because... You had the the character who was in last night's episode with Shield is the same is one. Blizzard is Blizzard who was the 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 because I've been watching. Shield. They had the weather machine that was hit by yeah, lightning, yeah, yeah. and, and you, then we knew the Blizzard got him. And it's the sadness of watching Hulu Plus. Yeah, you don't get the next week trailer. Ah, okay. You know, so but on the other hand, oh no, you still have commercials. You can't fast forward through. But yeah, still, yeah, yeah. So the the um, so we had Blizzard last night on uh, on Shield. Uh, recurring role, new Hydra implications and stuff. But sure. but he was the one who did the out-of-control hurricane. And, and, and well, Flash, our, our yeah. big threat, is the out-of-control hurricane. And, and you know Weather Wizard is the villain in and the failed exactly. Justice League pilot. Oh, really? Yeah. It's uh, Miguel Ferrer. Right. Way back when, uh, that uh, Justice League International pilot. And we've got Captain Cold coming no. up, who is, blizz- who is yeah, again, but, Blizzard. But, I mean, legitimately, analog. if you're going to do Flash... It's one of the. Why I think the Flash. Why I think the Flash series. This, this series is going to kick the butt over the previous one. Is it's just as what we're talking about effects. The yeah. ability to do the show. Um, the original Flash could not do. Uh, though there was. There's a Mirror Master, David Cassidy. Um, there is a. I think there's a Captain Cold. Uh, I you know actually I know there is. Yes. Um there's a Captain Cold episode and of course there's a Trickster. Trickster was the easiest one to do. Sure. And which was a great jolt for Mark Hamill. But um back to Hamill again. Everything's going to come back to Hamill. Hamill mania. <laughs> um so 7 degrees of Mark Hamill. Uh, 7 why 7? Oh cuz episode 7. <laughs> so anyway, uh you know, but but that they're already they've already announced casting most of the Rogues Gallery. So, you know, they're not going to pull punches, but the beauty of, of, of what the Flash is versus, like, what Gotham is, is that you can. These villains can just keep coming back, come up with a different facet, oh, explore yeah, I, a different I, thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It was just so ironic that we've seen so much w- the weather manipulation yeah. stuff. Yeah, I actually think that Shield, Shield's special effects last night for Blizzard are going to be hard to, hard to beat. That's what I want to hear. By, so I'll by, watch that. For I, Flash. I, I hopefully you'll watch that tonight. And the the idea that um, I, I'm not I'm not going to spoil. It. You you you'll enjoy the episode. Uh, we'll talk about it later. All right. The, the but the thing that we're probably most looking forward to, which I have a side note on it, but uh, to me the most exciting thing that that's happened this week, news wise, news wise, though it uh, well I. In, in pop culture news, let's put it that way, because there's certainly been far more important stories in the overall. Maybe. Uh, no, I, I think oh, so. Maybe. Uh, I think so. Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, I, I still think the fact that we're at war, uh, you know, uh, and nobody seems to be upset about that uh, or, or noticing that we're at war again. Um, 
that's probably more important than the fact that uh, David David Lynch later. and Mark Frost tweeted out uh, that that gum you like is going to come back in the style, and then finally announced and confirmed that they are filming nine episodes, all directed by David Lynch. Uh, continuing, that's what I love about it. Continuing Twin Peaks, but it's continuing. 25 years, years later. later. They would well, not be doing it uh, no, the middle but, range. No, but that's what it said. It, but I've seen a lot of people upset about that, that they want well, no, to pick it up. Well, no, it better be. Right it, no, yeah. I don't want... I don't want them either. How can they do that? Because no one else can be Dale Cooper. No. No one else But can. he can be Dale Cooper now, because it's 25 years, years later. later. In which Laura Palmer says that in the Red Lodge in the last episode. I'll see you in 25 years. Yep. And so here it is. Problem Sometimes is, my arms bend back. Problem is... It's going to be on Showtime. That's not necessarily a problem. It's just funny to me because I'm like, well, I have no access to Showtime. Um, but I, in in one of the interviews, this is the kind of thing that's like it's such Hollywood. Like I don't get it. Is like, well, there was no, there was never any thought conversation. Never, never any thought about any place else but Showtime for us. They're like the perfect home, and I'm like, well, why not HBO or Cinemax or even. TNT, for that matter, which ran uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks. I think you want to go paid cable because... Well, no, no, but HBO or Cinemax or, you know, it, it, what I mean, or, or Stars. Yeah. Why is that? Why Why do all these press releases always have to have this, there was never any question of the home. It had to be Showtime or once it had to be HBO. Money, there was never we, any yeah, Well, right. It's like, well, once they came to you and said, hey, would you be interested in doing Twin Peaks for us? Uh, I was in know, love at first sight. <laughs> you know, okay. Um, but we wouldn't have taken it anyplace else. It's like, well, no, because nobody else asked for it. Uh, but I'm excited for it. But I wonder if it's of a time, you know, if it's, again, one of the, and not not that it's of a time. I think I'm going to be very satisfied. But I wonder if uh, people that did not get caught up in it the first time around, um, you know, the, I was I, I've gone back and watched. Okay, there. Nate is a perfect example. But have you ever watched it? Twin Peaks? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, but he's so, too young. So I, no, no. Let me. Yeah, let me, it was at Well, it was. Shot. It was a weird. What year was this? Uh, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. Like I was eighty-nine just, because twenty-five years later, or ninety. It ended in ninety because uh, twenty-five years later will be two will be two thousand fifteen is when they shoot it. Yeah. And it'll be coming out. Yeah. Two thousand. So, see, my it's parents in that. but they'll be shot. Yeah. My parents weren't into it. Like, I had friends that watched it. So I watched it. And even at that point, it was it was somewhat timeless in its, in its own. It wasn't a modern show. It wasn't even really placed in current, present day. But, you, but here's the thing is, and now, what I, I know, it, it did feel time. It was set so It's almost a period day. piece of but its own. It, it, you ever been to a small town? Of course you have. You've yes. been to a small town. I'm sorry. There are still towns in America that are period pieces of their own. I, it's I like agree. when Napoleon Dynamite came out and everybody went, Idaho's not that far behind. I went, yeah, yeah, yeah they are. They're still trading cassettes at the Goodwill. And, uh, and and so it was of its time, but what has changed? And it's perhaps a victim of David Lynch's own success because you got Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. Right. I mean, they did clearly place it in the right time, in the time. Uh, it was definitely uh, a concurrent show. But um, Blue Velvet, that for a while, um, David Lynch, yeah, it, it was, he had a brief flirtation where what his fascination was, was small town America, that right. vision of idyllic 
and the, and and the, the seedy the underbelly to corrupt to uh, overuse a cliche. Right. Um, but what has changed is uh, you you watch it again, which I have a feeling you have, and I know I did because my my buddy Tom and I made this vow. We had them all on videotape. We had no idea DVD was coming. We taped them all when we were roommates and said, 20 years from now, we're going to rewatch this and see if it makes any more sense. And and then, of course, I got the DVDs. So and I haven't bought the Blu-ray package yet. I will. I have a feeling because I've been burned by by uh, by many uh, of these Magic, Blue, uh, magic yes. Blu-ray packages where they've said, like, pay this much now and then it's going to drop. The only one exception now I'll make is i got to have Batman 66. But, uh, but the, the drop down. Uh, so I'm going to hold off on, on that, getting it all on Blu-ray, which will, I think includes Firewalk with me, which the DVD uh, the DVD collection did not. You have it right there, right? Yeah. So uh, just double check that while while I, I it vamp. does have Firewalk with me. Okay, so va- Firewalk with me for for different contractual op- reasons was not um, the original. Super creepy. Uh, I, I love that cover, but um, the entire mystery. Um, we watched it again. We watched it on DVD. We went through everything but Firewalk With Me. Because I don't think Firewalk With Me, it's more of a tone poem to go with it. It doesn't really add anything you didn't know. Um, it confirms a lot of stuff. But it's a prequel. Yeah. So I'm saying, I, I don't really feel like, it It wasn't what we wanted when it happened. No. and We didn't and, want a prequel. And we didn't. <laughs> we wanted to know, what's going on? How's Annie? Um, <laughs> and now we'll know. Um, but... Uh, but it was we watched it again and went okay it's interesting but you see things like um there's a trust of small town cops and uh, a decency that like modern entertainment wouldn't do you do a show where an FBI agent investigates a murder and the small town police are falling all over themselves that's it's, not going to happen. They're, they're not. We we don't have that innate trust anymore right. of them of their right. fundament. We're not Andy Griffith anymore, and that's what made M- Michael Ankeen so good as Harry Truman, uh, the the sheriff. Um, you know, but I'm anxious to see because I don't think I've seen Michael Ankeen in something in in years, and I love him in that show. When you go back and watch that show again, it's like he's so good. There's a guy who should have been a bigger star than he was. Uh, the guy I absolutely love, Michael Horse. Who, oh yeah, uh, who was Hawk? Who was actually Tonto in the Legend of Lone Ranger, the bad Clinton Spilsbury movie from the eighties? Is like he is so good in that show, and it, it, because what David Lynch did was take these guys that are the images of oh, yeah. of essentially American manhood and the people that we trust, and and he made them trustworthy. Even who, Andy, who was the doctor? Oh, it was uh, the doctor was. Um uh, Russ Tamblin. Uh, Russ Tamblin, yeah. Who I think is still alive. I, I think everybody still, uh, there are a few that are not. Unfortunately, um, Jack Nance, who had the immortal first, she's dead, wrapped yeah. in plastic. He passed away, and he was a racer head. He passed away a few years ago. Um, I think a couple of the female actress, uh, the female actresses, some of the female, a uh, couple of the female actors may have may have passed away but uh but certainly the teenagers are all still uh, yeah. still alive and still in the business is kind of floating around in different in different places um so it would be very interesting to uh to see that revision because it did end on a trem- oh I know who died it was uh, the, the Bob the uh, Frank Silva the oh. the cameraman who who was told famously and and just you know literally crept into pop culture awareness was that David Lynch didn't know what to do and this is how David Lynch directs. And he tur- he turned around. He saw Frank Silva like holding a light up or something, and said, "Get down at the foot of the bed and just crouch and look scared." 
and I'll do something with it. I'll do something with it. And so he did, and then that became Bob. Yeah. And, you know, like the most frightening serial killer in cinema history. <laughs> it's just a, a rigor. <laughs> you know, and unfortunately he passed away about 10 years ago. But, uh, but you know, the continuation of, if, you, if you're not aware, it, it ended on this cliffhanger of that Agent Dale Cooper, the square-jawed hero who is also, uh, you know, now on S.H.I.E.L.D., coincidentally, uh, about to say, F it. Twin Peaks is coming back. I'm leaving. Um, you know, it, who who kind of parodies himself on Portlandia playing the mayor of Portland. That kind of, you know, when Dale Cooper was fascinated by, ah, oh, small town life, it's great. And this, you know. And, and, and he had a, quite a long run on uh, Desperate Housewives. Yeah, but on Portlandia, if you see him, he's the kind of, if you've watched Portlandia, he's the flips that the mayor is like, is like Dale Cooper just gone like way too navel gazing, okay. and it's very it, it's very very funny. Like the slightest thing, like a bicycle. Look at that! Isn't that great? You know. Um, so it, it's uh, you know he when we last saw him, he was possessed by this alternate this other dimensional demon demon, and you know smashing his head. What a the- creepy creepy ending that was! And even when I watched it twenty years later. That was it. Still had the power of like, what the hell happened? Will you ever tell me? And then yeah. to say, this I love. And then to say, twenty five years later, which means there's this huge gap of what? Oh, the general. Uh, that's who also passed away, unfortunately. What about the little man from another place? He's still alive. He's still alive. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Michael, um, I can't remember what his last it's name not is. Done. No, 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 no. That's that's, that's love. Miguelito. Yeah, Miguelito Loveless. Um, Mike. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, so I'm very excited about this, but I don't have showtime. So, uh, you know, by the time this comes out, uh, HBO is already leaning in this direction. You'll be able to subscribe to it just over the Internet. You won't have to have a cable. And I will. Showtime will get my will get at least nine weeks of subscription from me. And if if they're smart, um, they won't uh, let us binge watch. They, you know, I, oh, yeah, I yeah. you know, because Netflix has done that, and it's like, okay, and then all that's made me feel is like I can't sit home for. I don't know who these people are that are able to stay home for two days, Rick, uh, and just walk, watch through. Hey, I'm always uh, busy. I know you are. It's so cute. Uh, <laughs> so it's true. I'm giving him crap, but it's true. He is very busy consulting. Uh, so and and when I say consulting, um, taking care of things so that that infamous. Honeydew list. Uh, that's consulting. No, yeah, I'm still double teasing. You're still teasing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know. Fully. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, isn't that great? What a reversal. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, um, so very very excited about that. And then um, you also mentioned something coming. Didn't these exist before? The Lego set. The Ma- Minecraft Lego set. So there was a limited edition Minecraft Lego set that came out a couple of years ago. Okay, that's what I thought. You had told me that then. And I've got it. I, I've never opened mine. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I really don't. I bought it because I, at the time I was playing a lot of Minecraft and I thought this is really kind of cool. So I went ahead and did it. They just announced six new sets. Uh, it was leaked from a German manufacturer. But are they going to be limited edition? No. I, I think Minecraft is so mainstream. No, you this, can't this do looks it. like they're going to go full on out Minecraft. Minecraft's been merchandised quite a bit. I'm sure yeah, you've oh, been yeah. in Toys R Us and seen oh I bought some of it for my son for Christmas I have a Minecraft sticker on the back of my car um but there there was there were any number just in case uh Nate is still awake over here uh yes uh, last week the Minecraft in fact released a Doctor Who mod Uh, Minecraft (laughs) Minecraft was uh 
was bought by Microsoft just recently. Right, too. and Xbox uh, One is going to get a Minecraft Marvel superhero uh, edition. Cool. So uh, not for me. I can't have yet another system. But if you're if you're a Minecraft player, there there there's a set that is specifically mine creation. Another one that is like the Enderverse, uh, uh, the uh, Nether Neitherverse. I think that's what it is. The no, no, there's an Enderverse. There is an Enderverse. Enderverse is the Orson Scott, Scott card, isn't no, it? No, but I think, but I, uh, but I think it's that an, they, I think it's they a Neitherverse. What is it? The end. The end. It's not as cool. I'm disappointed in Shang Chi's per, uh, participation this week. Um, it's <laughs> not his annoyed. fault. He's annoyed with me not knowing this. Um, but there's six different sets of different types of. I just want to say it's like two and a half generations of grown men, and we're all like going, "How dare, How you, dare not you not know, know a video game term?" The end, you dolt. <laughs> it's the one where there are all the uh, all the dragons and dragons. Uh, ah, but it, it looks actually pretty cool. It's at a different scale than the other one was. The oh, other one okay. it was like with the little micro ones where a person is possibly as tall as one of the knobs on a Lego block, whereas now they're they're, they're larger, the more the regular full size ones. So they'll, I really should open up mass. my sets and buy, and build them. Yeah, which ones do you have? I actually uh, I've bought many for Luke, which I've n- not seen. Uh, he he's got to build, but I have. And I, I want to buy more. I got to buy the Guardians of the Galaxy ones because they're so cool. But I don't know where to put them. Yeah. But I, I did buy the uh, the DC superhero one with Aquaman, oh. so that I have. How are we uh, supposed to say Aquaman? Aquaman. 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 Aquanet. Aqua. 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 Um, Ac, you guys. Ac, you. So Aquanet is now Aquanet. Aquanet. It should be the correct pronunciation. Okay. I'm sorry. Are we going? Are we going phonetic? Because then, I'll, all right, fine. Okay. We'll do that. If I don't you, know. If I said it, I up, was trying to figure it. Out. I back down. I was considering the story. gutter language of I'm sorry that I w- I apparently in weeks previously I've spoken too much like Madonna and so <laughs> by saying Aquaman and Superman oh, I, see, I, see. Uh, I have affected the original pronunciation I was of those trying words. to tell the story to someone else I could not remember the pr- pronunciation that Aquaman. you had espoused because Superman ah. Superman and Aqueduct ah versus ah why a duck are we done? I've stopped him. All right. <laughs> yes. I think we are because it's, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculously long. Um, this is almost like a, you could you could uh, edit it into two episodes and then you then can I post have to that. Then I have to, re- have to renegotiate your salary. Uh, not at all. I'm, I, I, if anybody's paying anybody, it should be me paying you, and I don't. I've got that on tape now. Oh, damn it. Uh, Tape? You're using tape? I've got it on tape. In which case, case, let me wave this magnet over. (laughs) Anyway, uh, no, there's a fantastic profit-sharing plan, which you can help with by giving us profits by (laughs) donating to PayPal or purchasing something from Amazon and the slight little kickback there. Uh, Anyway, uh, and of course, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, criticisms, commentary, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And... uh, and I should say, in our interview with Dan Vado, we brought brought up that point about uh, about the convention controversy. And I do want to say that it was a longtime listener, Bill Bossert, who actually was the first person to point out the article to me uh, uh, with Denise Dorman's comments. So that's a flashback to an interview that Nate now has to listen to because he wasn't here when we talked. Thank you, Bill. To, uh, so I want to shout out to Bill Bossert. Thank you. And uh, so anyway, uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm Nate Costa, and I want to say, go Giants. Okay. You want to say it. 
the <laughs> who won, won in uh, I guess technically is round two of the playoffs, the divisional series, and the Dodgers couldn't hold up their end of the bargain and win their series, so the Giants are playing the Cardinals, which is also a rivalry, but not quite as big a rivalry as the Giants and Dodgers. Well, I think there's too much violence going on with Giants-Dodgers these days anyway, so I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, <laughs> reminding you to... <laughs> Wait a minute, what are those you... wheels spinning in the corner? <laughs> it's like, oh my god, now I see the rails. They're not together. <laughs> We've gotten totally off the rail. Reminding you to... Not talk about sports. Okay. Reminding you to... Use, use your powers, your powers only, only for good. good. <laughs> Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you. Okay, I think we got this down. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Oh, doing all right. So, do you want any? You want everything to be a surprise this evening? You want to hear what we're going to talk about? Is it on Evernote? It, it is. is. Is it in the shared folder? It, it is. is. <laughs> it's Captain Laserbeam. Nate doesn't get that. You do, though. I know, but your obsessions—they're worrying me. So, I'm. I'm. I'm I'm all caught up in all episodes. I'm on now. I'm on episode two of Welcome to Night Vale. There were only twenty five Easter eggs in Flash. There. Well, he ran too fast. There were to find article. There, the article had twenty five listed in it. It caught every one that I had seen, plus a bunch more. The article is insanely deep. I don't think we were going to go over all twenty five, but the uh, the important ones are. That the guy in the you watched it right? Yeah, I did. Myself, the guy in the wheelchair. His last ago. name is Thane. Thane. No, it's not. It's, no, that was the other. No, no, that was, it's, it's, the it's a cop. It's the cop. Yes. It's a cop. Yeah. Um, and the guy in the wheelchair with the crisis in twenty twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Iris Allen. Yeah, I don't call uh, these Iris, Easter eggs. Iris, uh, Iris West. Iris West. I don't. I, I don't call these Easter eggs. It's just they named the characters. Um, an Easter egg to me is like it's hidden. Uh, Ferris Air Aviation. Yeah, that was. You know. I, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's just funny to me that I, people, it, people are saying it. it's like no. It's I don't exactly think we have to use the term. It's just the, the. I don't think we should. I think they were really good this about was, this. Is what Jeff Johns said was going to happen. This yeah. is the most continuity TV show they've ever done. Yeah. He promised that, I, and I kept it quiet for a couple months because I saw it a couple months. Did ago. Did you watch went, Shield? No. I oh Gotham come on! Did you Derek. watch Shield, Nate? Of course I I'm did. I'm sorry. I've got Nate, a commentary. Nate, on that. let me explain something because this is. Uh, I want you to flash forward <laughs> five years. Uh, my daughter had a concert last night, so I did that. So I and then I came home and I watched Gotham because I hadn't watched Gotham the night before. Oh. So 
See, I miss Gotham. I had, I, I had to choose. Oh, come on, Rick. Well, I don't feel like we're, you know, it, it, I don't think Gotham's going to become the must-watch. I read no. an article today that was just talking about how they're really, uh, they're rushing through what would be interesting character development because basically Gotham last night said, was like, we're needing vigilante. And it's like, I'm afraid of people becoming vigilantes. I'm like, well, then you sort of realize, yeah, this is a third episode of season one. Yeah. Which means Batman's just going to be the best of a long series of costumes. Nothing new. Oh, this one's at night? Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it, it's, he looks like a bat instead of a rat. All right. Uh, yeah. Ratman. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, let's save it. When, All right. uh, when did the term Easter egg turn into... When, when did it go from something that's hidden but is related to something that is related? When, yeah. <laughs> when, when journalism got lazy. Because oh, okay. Easter eggs used to, uh, the original. Because right now Rick is wearing his slippers, and uh, <laughs> he's got a glass My of alcohol, uh, lemonade. Uh, um, sure, it is fortified lemonade. Mm-hmm. The uh, I'm just saying. Easter eggs when they first it was originally in uh, computer software when the the current yeah. the current uh, definition of Easter egg. Um, then save this conversation okay. because that's actually interesting and new instead sure. of sending it to somebody else's website. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, I'd rather not <laughs> listen, just not just be an aggregate of what others have done. But did everybody read Thor? I did read Thor. I did read Thor. I bought it in Ashland. I have a theory. I don't think the theory is all that deep. <laughs> um, a brontosaurus starts out small at one end <laughs> and gets thick. Uh, what is, uh, would you believe it's Freya? Yeah, I mean, it's so obviously, I, at least, and that was my only consolation. Okay, let's just talk about it but, online. But, yeah, we, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So, um, let's just go. Yeah. Ready? Nate, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's I'm hear your vocal warm-up. Uh, Come on, vocal warm-up. La, 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 la. Why start now? Uh, la, 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 la. Uh, what the fuck is in that lemonade? <laughs> I'm looking Lemons. at this article with the uh, Easter eggs. <laughs> you're obsessed okay no he's obsessed you're the one who posted it now he's now you've slowed him down it well it's like ridiculous it is i mean the this flash is not had a lightning bolt on his chest wow weather wizard is not an easter egg weather wizard was the character. character clearly named grod was an easter egg grod was, it grod was kind hands of by grods broken out of uh cage. you're looking at the article yeah, I am stop too. looking at the article. I'm too. The and lightning. Oh my god! So lightning struck. Um, yeah, that's yeah. not an Easter egg. That no. actually happened. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I said it's lazy journalism, but it was a good list of all the references to. It is. It is actual... definitely a good list of references. The one that they didn't say. Oh, we'll get into that. The one that isn't in there was one that I believe I saw, and I suspect lots of people saw. So, um, you ready, Nate? I'm ready. In three, two, one. Oh, listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here's your host. <laughs> Nady. Yes. Hey, did you guys see that you can get uh, $10 from Red Bull? I saw that, but I... If you purchased I, Red Bull between January 1st, 2002 and October 3rd, 2014... you finally called them on not actually giving you wings? And you don't need a proof of purchase, so 
basically everybody can get ten dollars. I want my ten. You know why I want my ten bucks? I don't like the taste of Red Bull. Uh, I had one with vodka once. Uh, uh, that wasn't. It was a. It was a a monster. Yeah. Um, Red Bull and vodka didn't. didn't, There were better uses for vodka. This. So he really did sue him for saying that. The slogan "Red Bull gives you wings." No, I just no, I he, just that guessed was, that. No, no, that's what it says. He did. Oh uh, no, here I'll just read this whole article to you. Look, it's you know what? Then Delta is ready when you are. Is got it? Is next? <laughs> Thirteen million dollar lawsuit. They decided to settle with this guy Benjamin Carruthers. Carruthers, a Red Bull drinker, claims that the drink maker misled him and other customers with its slogan "Red Bull gives you wings." He says the company advertised some of the benefits of drinking Red Bull included increased performance, concentration, and reaction speed. Of course, none of this was ever proven or backed up by science. Uh, Here's a quote from the lawsuit. A 7-ounce cup of drip coffee contains approximately 115 to 175 milligrams of caffeine, depending on the blend. A 12-ounce serving of Starbucks coffee costs $1.85 and would contain far more caffeine than a regular serving of an 8.4-ounce can of Red Bull. But you can which slam is a can of Red Bull. Of to claim your $10 cash refund, all you need to do is register online at the link below before March 2nd, 2015. You don't need a proof of purchase. I, 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 even, I, I can't, by virtue of, I can't support stupidity, even if it would profit me. <laughs> I can't. I, you know, it's, you know, it's, truth in advertising is one thing, but. I mean, arguably, it's like you know, PF flyers didn't make me run, run faster higher, or jump, jump higher. higher. Yeah, you know, but uh, you did get the decoder ring. Oh no, I got the magic kit, the Harry Blackstone Jr. Uh, magic kit. Uh, once again, <laughs> Nate, there used to be these sneakers called PF flyers. No, no, the, oh, I no, remember. No, there used PF to be flyers. advertisements before it on Saturday morning cartoons, and then you'd want to go out shopping with your mom later and find the PF flyers and say, "I need new shoes," because you were going to get a toy with them. And they'd advertise they were, the heck they, out of they the were toy. The first, they were the first shoes I was allowed to have that were not orthopedic. Ah. And probably because I whined so much and uh, is I probably should have worn orthopedic shoes longer than I did. Ah. Uh, but my parents, it was just like, I, I mean, because the advertising was so strong. Yeah. It was just, it was so constant. It wasn't just Saturday morning. You'd watch, you know, Channel 44, you'd watch, you know, everything at it, so. <coughs> yeah. I just remember that on Saturday morning you'd hear you'd see what the new toy was. By the way, I hope you're recording again that if if I'd had some sort of childhood illness that t- that required my mom to actually make a hard decision, I would not be here tonight. I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I would have died at eleven. Are uh, you saying that I'm supposed to leave that in the outtakes? <laughs> I don't know. It's just I've said that about my. You know, it's like. There are things I've had these conversations with my mom when they thought I had glaucoma. And I said, is there a history of glaucoma? I was like, well, your grandmother had glaucoma. And then I went, oh, okay, okay. So I went and I went back to the doctor and told him that. And by the third time they called me back in for glaucoma, my mom said, oh, by the way, they've been treating me for six years for glaucoma. I'm like, <laughs> you don't think that might have been a crucial thing to tell me? Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's because she's on Prozac. Uh, so... She thinks that's taking care of her panic attack. She's still having the panic attack. She just doesn't care. She's panicking. (laughs) (laughs) So, yay, Prozac. Oh, my. Yeah.